When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Stream Police Podcast is brought to you by OverdueReview.com. Want something more in-depth than a sarcastic, pretentious, 140-character review of your favorite movie? Read long-form reviews of movies, TV, and music from the distant and recent past at OverdueReview.com. It is another fun-filled edition of the Stream Police Podcast, this time a little bit different. I am joined in the room by my co-host and friend, Andy Sedlak, music editor oh. Overdue Review. Oh my god, look, it is so good to be here. Big round of applause from the studio audience. Seriously, I go. mean, the, 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 no applause light or anything, folks. I mean, that's... <laughs> we're also, at the same time as we're recording this, we're, we're Facebook living, and right. is that, I guess how you say it? Fa- Facebooking live? I'm not sure. We are on, we are... Dial it into the Facebook Live. We are something and that I've never. Have you ever used it? Never used it. Never used it. We're trying to. I've never had a real reason to use it. Yeah, I, I mean, what do no. I do? Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't do anything. Either. What do people want to watch me do? Editing a, a video that I made about my review of a James Bond movie from 35 years <laughs> ago. Check, yeah, Nobody... check check out this Facebook Live video of me writing an article. <laughs> exactly. For overdoreview.com. Thrilling stuff. Yeah, that's right. Thrilling so, stuff. So yeah, we've never done it, uh, but we're going to do it now. We're going to try to give you a. a behind-the-scenes look at the Stream Police podcast, which is available on iTunes. It's available uh, on the Acast app, which is free to download. Are they still paying us? They are. They haven't paid us a, a red cent. But they haven't paid us. They do air some uh, ads, but we don't. I guess like, we don't have enough listeners to get uh, to oh. get any advertisements. Right, Isn't well, that sad? Yeah, we we rack up a few of these listeners, and uh, and you know, all of a sudden, watch that money roll in, baby. Well, dude, look how many viewers yeah. we've got on. Fi- we found out we have our most viewed oh, video on. ever. Right, I gotta go back to it. I switched the screen. And bring that, that, that camera that, up a little that, bit so that, people can see us. That so tells you how too. how much I've I've used it. Like uh, I'm not even looking at the screen. We have got. Let's see. Now we lost one. We We're losing our audience. One our guy. audience is cut in half. We went from two to one. That's because you're not showing us. Yeah, there, you're gonna have to. You're, right, gonna, you're gonna have to like set it up over there. Well, I need to buy. I need to look at, at my phone for. Oh, for your for, notes. Yeah, yeah, for notes. See, it's just not. That's not good. Yeah. All right. So. So there's there's Andy. We're here right. on the Stream Police podcast. Yes. Usually, I light my stogie up yeah. right now, but I can't do it because yeah. of fire code uh, issues here. Yeah. Like I said, we're in our downtown Cincinnati precinct. We're not at the library this time, actually. This time, we're right. at the beautiful, lush Scripps Center. And, and, and let me, 
he's not embellishing. I mean, this is a really nice place. It's lush. Uh, it, it, yeah, right? It's a good word for it. Yeah. I mean, how many floors right. in this joint? Uh, 35 floors. 35 goddamn floors in this we're place. We're on the 29th, so we're, pretty, we're up there. Man. We're way up there. So he just showed me the, his office, and he's got a view overlooking Great American Ballpark. He sees the beautiful Ohio River. Uh, it's, it's pouring down rain right now, but on a nice day, my God, it's got to be, what more do you want? So the, Heaven I on Earth. It, I thought it was a good place for the stream police to broadcast their second joint right. episode in, right. how many episodes have we done? This is our 44th episode overall. Is that true? It's 44. So we do an episode together once every 22 episodes, basically, <laughs> right. is how that works. But <laughs> that's just, that's what keeps it special. That's so. right, yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny. I mean, do you think – how has this podcast – and we haven't even begun our actual podcast. We're just BSing right now. But how has this podcast changed or grown or matured uh, over the course of 44 – I don't know if people realize we've done 44 episodes. Which at first they were uh, they were every couple weeks. Yeah. And then we dialed it back to about once a month because I felt like I was getting – especially I was getting to a point where I was, like, repeating myself a lot. And I didn't want to do that, like – Talking about the same shows over and over. I, right. I'm not one of the like. I don't like how TV reviews are done. Like they, they'll critics will watch three episodes of a show. Right. And then they'll say, "Here's my review of the first season of this show." And it's like, no, that's your review of the first three episodes of this season. I mean, right. Shows change so much over a season. I'm one of these guys that likes to review. A sh- really, I like to review a show after I've watched the whole series. I don't even like to do it season by season right. because. They change so much again. It's not complete. It's you, not you're, complete. You're, you're reviewing something that that is incomplete. Exactly. Which would I, is what I watch thirty minutes of a movie and then t- here's my review of the movie. I mean, right, come on. Right. You yeah. You, that's true. I mean, you don't review a movie a half hour at a time. No. You, you know? don't review a record. You know, just you could do it track by track, but you got to get the whole thing too. A- absolutely. At the end. Yeah. So, how do, how do you know the point of the of the art exactly. until you finished it? Exactly. And, you, he, and, 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 and actually, you bring up a good point because. Even as they're making these episodes, I, you're right. It is kind of goofy to review individual episodes because I don't think a lot of these shows, the episodes are meant to stand on their own. No. They're meant to add up to a, a collective whole. They're not the Twilight Zone. Well, you yeah, know what I'm saying? True. I mean, right. we're, not, we're not in and out every episode, a whole new, new cast, whole new, new show. Yeah, new yeah. director, new, you know. If it's that kind of, if it's like a Black Mirror kind of thing, you can do it. But I just well, don't, true. I don't like it. So yeah. that's why I kind of, I was like, let's do the show once a month. Sure. Because I don't want to keep talking about the same things over and over again. And I think it's worked out pretty well. We've been, right. uh, we've been having a good time. And uh, it's, it's fun. By the way, I'm Clint Davis, TV and uh, movie editor at Overdue Review. And as I said, this is uh, Andy Sedlak. In Andy the same K- room. In the same room. Great brother. to see you, brother. Yeah. And by the way, usually this is the point in the show where I do the, ver- the vastly popular, over- they love it overseas, yeah. the segment, the greatest TV show theme song of all time <laughs> this week. Right. But I thought... Yeah. Since we're going to be in the room together, and since you're the music guy, right. I want you to pick the greatest TV show theme song of all time yeah. this week. Okay, we can do that. Let me, and, and I'm, I was honored, quite frankly, when you, when you asked me to pick the greatest TV show theme song of all time this week. I thought, Jesus, that is... I don't offer that to a lot of people. Partner? I don't I, give I, that chance to a lot of people. Let me, let me I wept. <laughs> I called home. You know, that's I, too much. I called the, you know, I called my wife and I said, you'll never guess. <laughs> so let me, the pressure was on, in other words, to come up with the greatest TV show theme song of all time this week. And <laughs> it's a catchy title, too. It's, it rolls off the tongue. <laughs> so go back with me to the fall of 1999. 
All right. Bill Clinton is president. Bubba's president. Lance Armstrong just won his first Tour de France. And Star Wars Episode One was well on its way to become the highest grossing film of that year. The best of all the Star Wars films. By far. (laughs) And every Wednesday night at 9 p.m., not on DVR later, not on Netflix whenever you freaking felt like it, but every Wednesday at 9 p.m., viewers (laughs) tuned in to hear this. It is the theme from the West Wing. Oh, man. The actual title is the West Wing opening theme. It, it, it is <laughs> it, the whole thing. It's just it's a beautiful score. It's a beautiful theme. Uh, it won W.G. Snuffy Walden an Emmy Award in 2000. W.G. Snuffy Walden. Let he me, did. Okay, you, me, you're going to tell. Let me tell. Me. You, right. Let me tell you. But this theme, so God, majestic, right? It's the best word for it. Majestic. It stirs our souls. <laughs> inspiring. The stuff dreams are made of. It's the sound of triumph and grace and righteous patriotism. <laughs> the theme's composer, William Garrett. Walden, or W.G. Snuffy Walden, made his bones, Clint, playing in a place that wasn't so majestic and rarely triumphant, a strip club. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Can you hear that? Can you hear that theme? Can you hear that score at... Well, I don't know. I've never been to one, but, you know... I I know you never have. Diamonds, though, is one. Okay. All right. Okay. I looked this up. He put himself through college playing guitar at a strip club and hosting a late night radio show in Houston. You know, there were worse ways to make a living, (laughs) right? That sounds like a pretty good life. (laughs) Sounds like our kind of guy. Wait, when was the radio show? At night also? It was at night. So he's got to work at the strip club at night. He's not working during the day at the strip club. No, I I mean, I guess he's. So by night he's playing at the strip club, and by night he's doing a radio show. I think he probably had two part time jobs. Depending on the evening, he was either at the club or he was, you know, he was was in Houston (laughs) underground somewhere spinning records. Uh, Walden, given the nickname Snuffy while away at summer camp one year, and eventually Snuffy went on to back up Eric Burden of The Animals, Stevie Wonder, and even Donna Summer. He was in a band for a little while called The Stray Dogs. They did nothing, so eventually he began scoring TV shows. He was quoted as to saying he saw the writing on the wall. They weren't selling any tickets. They weren't selling any albums. He said, I got I to gotta do something. Or else it's the Holiday Inn Express Lounge for me. Could say a lot about W.G. Snuffy Walden, but not that he was stupid. No. So listen to some of the TV shows he worked on. The Wonder Years. Roseanne. Ellen, the sitcom. Sports Night. 
Friday Night Lights, and my so-called life. Without a doubt, though, his work on the West Wing is the high point in his career. He cut a version of the opening theme um, on an acoustic guitar, and he put out an album. As far as I can tell, I, I you know, looked and looked and looked. This album came out, came out in 2001, and it looks like it's the only record he ever released under his own name. But it was just acoustic guitar versions of all the themes that he had worked on. <laughs> You need to get that one on vinyl. <laughs> That's the next, I think, great conquest for you. So there it is. You know, it's funny because, like, to this day, you know, the the West Wing theme, it, you know, it, it's just it, it is just a landmark uh, recording. Uh, you know, whenever <laughs> whenever I feel accomplished, or when I feel like I've made it through like a little bit of trench warfare, or you know, some other pain in the ass thing i'll hear like the theme from west wing uh in the back of my mind it's literally appropriate for all occasions uh though i have my doubts that it would sound good in a strip club (laughs) that my friend is the greatest tv show theme song of all time this week West Wing thing by W.G. Snuffy Walden. He so yeah. I'm picturing a young and nice job. By the way, Thank I think. You. Uh, Thank you. I, I'm glad I gave it to you. You Thank did you. a nice job. Thank you know, you, my friend. it was well written. It you. got me stirred up. I had to wipe tears away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... three times during that part, I had to wipe tears away. Yeah, yeah. So I'm picturing W.G. Snuffy Walden, a young man at this strip club, playing, noodling around on his guitar, playing whatever they, you know, kind of music. Like you said, neither of us, we've never been to these kind of places, so I don't know what kind of music they play. Sure. But it's safe to say it's probably not the kind of stuff they play on the West Wing. And I'm imagining in his head he's got this West Wing theme that will, will eventually become that. He's got it in his head, like parts of it. Yes. And he knows that someday, if he ever gets a chance to really sit down and write a good piece of music, this he's got this drive, right? this presidential song. In his head, and and it finally came out one it, day. It, it clicked. It's that's inspirational. Man. It is. Inspirational. I think I know his name from because it's a great name. Sports Night was one of my favorite shows. I love, love Sports, Sports Night, Night, and it's funny. You, yeah, I mean, I I remember watching Sports Night, and I was you know a, a youngster at the time. We were young, was, yeah. That was a Sorkin series, and yep. I thought it was it was a just a terrific play on the ESPN culture. Yeah. And what what is her name? What's the girl? What is her? Uh, Felicity Huffman. Felicity Huffman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gosh. And William H Macy. William H Macy. That's where they met, I think. Yeah. Was that yeah. On, on that set. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a really good show, but I, I know his name also. I think from Roseanne. I, I'm not sure if he did the theme song, but I remember seeing that name in the opening credits because yeah. Roseanne was one of my favorite shows ever oh, yeah. too. Yeah. And I probably have seen every episode of Roseanne just over time, and I remember that because you can't forget that name. No, WG Snuffy Walden. So yeah. as soon as you said, it, I'm like, man, what show do I know him from? But and, and I love that's probably seeing, Sports Night and Roseanne. Yeah, I love seeing that name juxtaposed against like the American flag. That's pretty cool. Too. And you know the the like I say, just this majestic you know piece of music that is so yeah. just you know inspiring. And he's just got like the weirdest <laughs> name. It's just it's just <laughs> it's felt oddball. Cool. Yeah, it just felt. Yeah. Right, you know. That's kind of cool, man. Yeah, yeah good pick. Thank good you. pick. So there Thank you go. You. The greatest TV show theme song yeah. of all time. 
this week. The West Wing theme. They're adding a little class to that segment here on the show. I like that. So let's get into uh, let's get into some other uh, more serious topics here, Andy. Uh, in the days before we recorded this show, yeah, literally like a day before we recorded this show. And I, I don't want to encroach on you because you'll probably talk about him just a little bit. But I just wanted to mention Chris Cornell. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if do you have anything. Are you going to talk about Chris Cornell? Well, I was going to. Yeah, well, a little bit. I mean, okay, I was, okay. was going to touch on, but you you go ahead. I just wanted to say that he was one of those guys that I always thought just had one of the most like unimaginable voices, just like a voice that was otherworldly. Yeah. You know, and I think words like "oh, he's an incredible singer," he's one of the great singers. Those kind of compliments get thrown around yeah. a lot by a lot of people for a lot of singers. But I feel like Chris Cornell really earned it. I remember hearing the description of his voice one time. I cannot remember who said it. Yeah. Somebody said that his voice could peel the paint off of walls. And they meant it in a great way. Like that, Not, not that it's so annoying it would peel the paint off the walls, but that it was that powerful. And I've always thought of that when I think of Chris Cornell, right. just him ripping these high notes out, just yeah. stretching them out, and not sounding like cheesy. Like, he didn't have one of those voices, like those lead singer voices, like 80s glam metal right. kind of things. Yeah. It, it all just sounded, like, so raw, powerful. Well, that, I think, yeah, I mean, it, it was a weird, beautifully weird combination of range and grit, yeah. which you don't get very often if you have a gritty voice you typically don't have a lot of range but if you have a lot of range typically you have a very clear somewhat of a pristine voice you don't have that grit and and he somehow checked both boxes and that was totally rare you know you just don't hear that a lot and we were talking before about the fact that cornell was not i mean most guys if you're in one good band like that is a career. Like you know how many musicians right. struggle out there. I mean, any bar in, in Cincinnati, right? You know that we're in right now recording this. There's a, a million bars, or there were a million bands out there playing at different bars, and right. every one of them is hoping to make it big. But Chris Cornell was part of three different bands that were they were critically loved. They sold well. They uh, now Temple of the Dog only did the one record, but it was still like it's still considered one of the great grunge albums, right? Um, and reinventing sounds, and the guy was just like he was a part of some really right. good projects, right. we, some projects you could be proud of. Well, absolutely, we were talking about it. I mean, I think you know any one of those bands today could headline a festival. Yeah, uh, and and they were all also very different. Yeah, you know, I mean, and we're talking about Soundgarden, Audio Slave, and, and Temple of the Dog. Of the by the dog. way, if you right. didn't know right. his career very well. Yeah, so they were all just you know they weren't just sort of different versions of the same band i mean they were they the the writing was different the vocal i mean the the whole approach to these things they were they were actually different as if they actually had a reason for forming another band you know and then they not just to make money right and they kind of found their own identity when they did that you know and that that you just don't come across that very often Cornell's voice was the common link, obviously, between those. But I was just so sad, and I was shocked right. to hear that he had died, and then obviously to hear that he had committed suicide. I mean, it was one thing that he had died. Shocking right. enough. Right, yeah. And I had just seen the guy. I mean, I'm telling you, I think it was three weeks ago. I saw. I watched CBS Sunday morning. It's one of my favorite shows. So do I. Yeah, we, we watch it every 
it's weekend. great. Yeah. And, and he performed. He was like their music guest, I think, like three weeks ago. And he did a couple acoustic. He did an acoustic version of Black Hole Sun. And I think he did a record from his new solo project that had just come out. Um, and he sounded great. They did a little interview with him. I mean, he wasn't like bubbly. I wouldn't expect that, you know, from a... a no. Grunge rock icon, but but he was always he, he very art- fine. He know? was always very articulate sure, in interviews. Sure. I mean, he was yeah. always a very you could tell he was an intelligent guy, real sharp. sharp and he dude. wasn't one of those guys like Lane Staley from Allison Chains, right. or you know Jerry Cantrell from Allison Chains. Right. Any of these guys who like had issues with heroin and stuff like that. You never heard about that with Cornell. I think right. he had alcohol. He battled alcoholism, but. You know who didn't and, when they're in rock music as a profession, but and, 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 I never yeah. heard of him being like a, a like having to go to rehab and no. being a big drug addict or anything like that. So I, I was I, really I had, shocked when I I had read about depression. Yeah, and but that at the same time, I mean, depression in in an artist isn't necessarily uncommon. No, not at all. In fact, in fact, it may it's be pretty a, common. I a think, necessary yeah. ingredient. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, this the, the the form and fashion was just outrageous. And they were scheduled to, uh, you know, the Soundgarden was on tour. They were going to be headlining a festival that's actually going on as we speak in Columbus, yeah, Ohio. Not, not and far from here. So just a, just a really shocking story and very sad. And it was one of those that, like, people can be really cold, too, and brutal. And it's like, well, he killed himself. You know, who cares? But, I mean, that's it's terrible. I mean, this was a guy that was a legitimate artist, gave us some of the best music of the 90s, yeah. um, and then came back again with Audio Slave and gave us some really, you know, just really good straight-ahead rock music. Just good beat-up rock. You yeah. know, just that good, just just that rock music just sounded just kind of worn in and, yeah. and, and durable. It sounded you know? edgy enough. It sounded edgy enough. It didn't enough. sound too commercial. It wasn't like Nickelback kind of thing. No, but you if know? you go back and listen to Audio Slave now, it does not sound dated. No, not at all. It still sounds pretty cool. Right. And I don't think anyone really sounded like them still since. I don't think anybody really sounded like Soundgarden either. I mean, listen to Black Hole Sun especially. (laughs) And no one has really done a song that sounds like that still. It was just so foreign. Right. uh, Especially compared to like Nirvana. It just didn't sound like anything they were doing. But... Just a, I mean, just a great singer. I mean, what, yeah. what can you say? And it's, it's a real loss, I think, because he was still working and he was still, you know, he was still out there. He was writing music and he was pl- performing solo. He was back with his band again. I think they were going to do a Temple of the Dog reunion. So, yeah, I'd run fans miss out on a lot of yeah. good music that was going to come. So, I'm sure we'll get the deluge. We always get when an artist dies of like recorded, unreleased stuff. But we're not going to get anything new from Chris Cornell, and that's real. That's that's terrible. Yeah, I mean, the dude was—he was a prolific artist, and I—we've—we've I, we've talked about this before. How there is there's a difference between artists and entertainers. Yeah, right. Um, he was an artist, you know. I mean, he just—he didn't exist for the sole purpose of of just entertaining. Yeah, you know, it was—it was a little bit more than that, and that's. Frankly, kind of hard to find. Those are the guys that we miss the most, obviously. Uh, I wanted to ask you an interesting uh, question I was kind of thinking about. Now, the show The Voice... Yeah, on NBC, po- very popular show. It's funny, actually. It's funny you mentioned that. I had, I had never watched five minutes of The Voice until we recently cut cable. And so, you know, the basic channels (laughs) are kind of on, you know, and we don't watch them a lot. But every now and then they just sort of find their way to be 
on in the house. And sure. so we we watched like a couple episodes of The Voice I watched for the first time. I watched it here and there. I really haven't watched it very much, but yeah. I don't want to talk about the actual show. I just wanted to say that when the show came out, yeah. I remember it coming out and, and hearing about it, and the show's called The Voice. Right? The Voice, yes. And so the first guy I think of when I think of the, the, the voice is Steve Perry because that was his nickname, The Voice. Right. Everybody called him The Voice. Um, and I was thinking about, like, my favorite singers and, like, the guys who I really think of when I think of The Voice and, like, what my dream panel of judges would be. Like, forget about the commercialization of that's the show. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Forget yeah. about, forget yeah. about like, pe- don't think of people who they would never do it because it's on TV. Yep. Forget about that. We're talking about anyone. Yep. You can have anyone be a judge on The Voice. You get four judges. Who are like the, the singers that you yeah. think really embody that? And Chris Cornell is the guy is the a guy that I always think of as the first guy. If I think of like a rock singer yeah. that I think would be a good like a good judge on a show like that because he has that kind of voice. Yeah. Chris Cornell, first guy I always think of. Luther Vandross oh. is probably my number two guy. Yeah. I would probably put Steve Perry on there because I don't think anyone sounds like him. He's a little bit played out at this point, but it's just I mean the voice was so effortless. <laughs> so effortless. It was, yeah. And he's such a mystery. And I, and I've, I don't want to leave the women out. I was like, when I was thinking about this, I'm like, for some reason, thinking of only men. But I want I would put Darlene Love, I think, on oh, there, too. God, so yes. powerful. Yeah. She's got a great personality, too. But oh. forget about the personality, just the voice yeah. herself. And it, someone who had to stand in the shadows and sing for so long before yeah. she got any recognition. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so I, this would probably be my four. You know, in, in, Darlene Love does that nice thing of... R&B, she's an R&B vocalist, but can also sing rock music. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that's a that's a pretty dynamic combination. Wow. Uh, who would I select? I, I would, don't mean to put you on the spot. Yeah, it's a tough no, question. I mean, I would, I would select, um, I would select Bob Dylan. Really? I would, yeah, I would select Bob Dylan. I mean, certainly one of the most, yeah, probably the most unique voice of all time. And if you're going to get feedback, I, I, can you imagine how interesting <laughs> that feedback could be? You know, if you if you sing a song for Bob Dylan and you ask him, all right, I don't want to hear anything other than what do you what do you think of my voice? Yeah, that could be somewhat interesting. It could probably be devastating. (laughs) You know what I mean? He would he would kill a lot of singers, I think. Uh, Yeah, he would kill a lot of self-esteem. Let me ask you this and I'll, I'll give you my other three here in a second after I think about it. But let me ask you this. What? What makes a good voice to you? I don't think there's How do any. You de- I, I don't think you I'm can. I'm not asking you to define it. Sure, because, sure. Because that that definition will change every time you hear somebody new uh-huh. that you like. You know, that's a it's a fluid definition. But right now, in this present moment, how would you describe what is a good voice? It's such a lame thing to say that you know it when you hear it, but I think that's really the case when you're talking about voices. But for me, uh, and you, I think you, if you look at the four people that I picked. And especially if you if I think about Luther Vandross, who to me is the most effortless singer yeah. ever. I mean, yeah. the guy just did, it never sounded like he was trying. Right. Um, and Steve Perry's the same way. I think he just sang, and it was just automatically brilliant. Right. Which is probably underselling how much work he put into it. But I feel like it, <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah, like I you know so. what I mean. Like yeah, he probably yeah. take insult to yeah, that. I but think- <laughs> I feel like. I feel like you, you just it needs to be effortless. Yeah, is the thing for me with singing. Like okay. I don't want to feel like you have. Whereas with musicianship, I think a lot of times the more effort you put into it, it kind of is better. Yeah. When you see a guy who's a real like virtuoso who tries, who has obviously learned the craft. So, so it sounds who, like who's what, a true technical you know player. It sounds like what you're listening for is is a gift, right? Sure. Yeah. It's not necessarily something you're 
although they are, it's not necessarily something you pick up on the 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 week in week out work of making sure your voice sounds just uh, somebody who yeah just when I hear it I know. It's just smooth, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it just doesn't sound like they're trying, right? I don't know. Sam, that's that's Sam really Cook. cool. Oh man, like Sam, Sam Cook. Cook. I mean, it's, my, it's hard to keep him off the list. Yeah, too, I mean, you know for for my money, maybe maybe my favorite. You know, I don't. You know, I'm not trying to you know, oversell it, but but one of my favorite pure singers. He's way up there for me too. Yeah, so good. Yeah, sing. You know, yep. listen to him all day. So I would if I if I had to choose four people. To put on my own little voice panel, mm-hmm. you know, of judges, I would I would select Bob Dylan because I do think he he uh, redefined what a good voice was. Yeah, no doubt. You know, uh, he you know, there's still people that maintain that he didn't have a good voice, though. People always say that they will say that, and and I think you have to broaden that definition. I was reading uh, an interview with um, who was it? I think it was with Tom Petty, and it was basically the gist of the quote. To paraphrase, was that. You know, he was talking about what makes somebody a good singer, and, and the the answer was whether you believe what the vocalist is saying. Do you believe it? You know, yeah. are, are they convincing? Are are they convincing in their reading of the lyric? You That's know? where you get a guy like BB King or something. That's where you get a guy like BB King. So yeah. believable. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you 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 feel like he had crawled over cut glass really before did. he sang yep. that that song. Yep. So I would I would select Bob Dylan. You know I would probably select James Brown. Um, Hard to argue with. Yeah, I mean just talk about you know. And if you want a showman, a full a full body vocal work. You know I yep. mean every part of his being you know went into went into the vocal. You know um, who else would I select? I've always really liked a guy. And a lot of people haven't heard of him, and it's a shame. But a guy named Willie Deville, who was, I don't know, him. yeah, he was in a band. They're actually the house band at CBGBs for a while back back in the day, and he sort of had that mix of range and grit that we were just talking about with with Chris Cornell. Only his band called Mink Deville, um, they were sort of like. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this description at you, and it's not you're not gonna be able to picture it, but but just hang with me here. It's kind of a mix between um, the raspberries and the drifters, <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds. I know that that's sounds, wild. <laughs> I know that sounds goofy. Sounds like a good band, though. It's and it's a great band. <laughs> so check them out. A band named Mink Deville. The lead singer is is a guy named Willie Deville. Always one of my favorite. Vo- I, I, you know, I just love the way he sings, and he does have that naturalness to his vocal, but he's also got that kind of you know that that hard driving rock vocal uh, as well. Sure. You know? Uh, so what am I up to? I'm up to three now, You got right? three already. Okay. Um, yeah, Darlene Love is a good one. That's a good one. Mm. That's what I'm saying. And we, maybe, maybe. both of us have already, so we both yeah. put three men on our panel. And I think that's yeah. probably because we, like, I was just thinking about it and I'm like, I don't know why I'm thinking, because clearly when I think of like great singers, I do think of a lot of women also. I mean, you know, Aretha Franklin would obviously be a very, I mean, Fantastic voice. She, she, she I, would know what Tina she's Turner talking about. For raw Tina, power Tur- alone. Tina Turner might be okay. That might be that might be my final my final judge. That 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 she's might pretty tough. Could you yeah. imagine James Brown and Tina Turner on the same judging panel? Like mm. 
I don't. Mm. <laughs> and Bob Dylan. I on would the end. Yeah, seriously. Huh. They, I think they would they would overshadow Dylan. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, seriously. Yeah, wouldn't, it wouldn't I take much expected, to drown out Dylan. I mean, I it true. I almost expected you to take uh, Huey Lewis. I know you like his. I voice. do like Huey Lewis. And voice. Um, I was thinking of Southside Johnny, maybe. No, I mean, yeah, he's too. a phenomenal voice. You know, it, it, just for just for the sake of you know, I'm I'm trying to move around a little bit. Obviously, Dylan and James Brown are very James Brown are very different. You've got Willie Deville. Um, That's kind of what I was trying to go yeah, for, t- too. A little t- R&B, a little rock. Tina little... Turner's great. I feel like you, you should probably have a blues vocalist in there. What you should yes. probably do, if you're talking about just uniqueness in voice, because ultimately that's what you want to find, right, is somebody who has a unique vocal. You don't yeah. necessarily want in anything in life. I don't think you want cookie cutter necessarily. You yeah. know, If it's going to be special, it cannot be cookie cutter. So I think you need... You need sp- folks that have a unique voice. I would go, why wouldn't you go with a guy like Tom Waits? Or why wouldn't you go with a guy like Howlin' Wolf? I almost or, feel like if you have Dylan already, though, then you got that base covered. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, it'd be hard to justify Dylan and Waits yeah. being on there at the yeah. same time because they were True. kind of that same deal. Like, they both had the very strange. Wait, nobody. Waits has such a weird voice. And he went through phases. So polarizing. Yeah, he went through phases where. Yeah. You know, each phase was, you know, his voice would be radically different from the phase that that preceded. Yeah, well, that's true, too. You know, just complete vocal changes several times in his career. But, yeah, you know, and I think of guys like Stevie Ray Vaughan. I love his voice. Again, so effortless. I believe every word he says. The guy, I swear to God, before I ever saw Stevie Ray Vaughan, definitely pictured a black guy every time I heard him singing. And I don't know why that is. I just thought when I heard that voice. I just was picturing this, and probably because he plays blues, and sure. pretty much everybody in blues is black. But I just pictured a black guy singing yeah. his songs, and I saw Steve Ray Vaughan. I'm like, that's not Steve Ray Vaughan. Like, that's the bassist for Steve Ray Vaughan. <laughs> you know, I've always, I always, Dion, uh, Dion in the Belmonts, sure, where he had voice, that yeah. great, great Smooth. voice, great yeah. voice. And I always loved John Lennon's voice. I did too, man. I loved John Lennon's loved voice. voice. I yeah. loved Mick Jagger's voice. For that, for you know, what we we're talking about the Stones, I always loved Keith Richards' voice, who had absolutely no range. He more or less yeah. talked; he talked through his songs, yeah. but still was uh, convincing when he would do it. And we were talking about Jamie Johnson before, yeah. also again one of my favorite, most natural uh, voices as well. And you think about singers like Adele, oh, true, um, who can just kill you with her voice uh just an unbelievable voice hank williams um, had, a, had a, a good also a very a good, good voice, voice. Yeah. yeah so i mean if you got the gamut it's tough to pick four singers but marty stewart had my problem i love marty love stewart, stewart and he's great <laughs> Come on. but i think you, the voice always disappointed me because of their judges because i was always kind of like with the exception of christina aguilera who i do feel like has one of those voices that stops you when you hear it stops you in your tracks i never felt like they really had like the best singers i'm kind of like you know, the uh, Maroon 5 guy's all right. He's got a unique voice, but I never thought he was, like, one of the greatest singers. Blake Shelton, I've never heard anyone say they thought he had a great singing voice, like one of the all-time no. great country music, you know, voices. No. He's not that guy. Like He's like a Vince Gill. Vince Gill would be a great selection for the voice. He, he's a charismatic guy, too. Uh, and like Miley Cyrus, they have on Alicia Keys, great singer. Alicia so Keys, I, I'd put her yeah, on there. she's a good vocalist. I but mean, why, why, and why wouldn't kinda, you put you know for Pharrell that, Williams maybe close too? Pharrell, why wouldn't you put a guy and Pharrell's close? But why wouldn't you put a guy like The Weeknd on? Oh on, man, you know, I mean, why wouldn't Again, you, why wouldn't you put angelic a angelic voice? Why wouldn't you in in? I'm Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean. I'm a little lukewarm on some of his newer stuff, but why don't? What about Drake? Drake raps and he can sing. Sure. Who knows more about a vocal when you have that 
that kind of range. Oh yeah, he even can make, even even Kanye West. He you can know, make I mean, the, I'd probably and I and you mentioned Sam Cooke earlier. I always think of Anderson Pack when I think oh, about yeah. Sam Cooke. Yeah. He, he's yeah. like to me like exactly. the modern day Sam Cooke. Yeah, uh, and a guy like him could be great on too. So anyway, I just wanted to ask you that. I figured we'd go, kind of go off on a tangent there, but who are you? If you have any thoughts on that, like what what would your dream like all throughout history four person voice judge panel be? Who are the true voices that you would put on your panel? Uh, send them to us. We'd love to hear from you at uh, overdue underscore review on Twitter. You can also Facebook us there, and you can email us uh, as well. I'm theclintdavis at gmail.com. And uh, Andy? Yeah, sedlacjournal at gmail.com, S-E-D-L-A-K, the word journal, all squished together at gmail.com. So there you go. Hit us up. And uh, our our vo- dream voice panels. But, yeah, Chris Cornell, he's always on mine. I just think he's oh, in rock, man. Just hard to argue with that voice. God. And speaking of singing shows, I did also see the news lately that uh, ABC, they're going to be resurrecting American Idol again. I just wanted to mention that real quick because I think you and I had both <laughs> talked about American yeah. Idol like a year ago when they canceled. It's only been canceled for a, a year. Yeah. yeah. And they've already already bring it back. I mean, that's going to be some kind of record. Yeah, I didn't even have time to miss it. It's, seriously. And did, we you ever watch, did you ever watch American Idol? I did. Idol? Yeah. I, did I think I watched, I so probably I watched like three seasons of I, it all the way through. I, I, I never did. And, and you know, I, like I say, I never really watched The Voice either until we got rid of cable. But, but you know, and, and I don't know, and it, it may be a mistake or an oversight on my part, but to me, just this is just Andy talking, that it felt like it felt like that was just that was just entertainment. It wasn't necessarily oh, sure. it wasn't necessarily like, hey, you know, I mean, let's, let's you know, let's find, let's an find artist. a great artist. Let's no, find it wasn't an that. artist. It wasn't you know? that. And, and that it, was what the voice tried to sell itself on. It was like we're looking for artists, so they would hire. They would like. I think the voice allows professionals. Yeah. And I don't think there's an age limit on the voice, but idol you could only be like up to like 30 years old. I think yeah. is the highest, you, right. oldest you could right. be. So. So I don't know. I right was there, a, you're cutting out like most of the best singers. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, so anyway, my, I was a little snooty when sure. it came to that type of uh, show, and I just never, I never embraced it, never wanted I, anything to do with it. I but, watched it because it was well-produced, and because it was kind of cool to just hear covers of songs that I liked, and they had a great catalog. That was the thing that, as the show got so big, they were able to, like, do Beatles songs, and they got all these great artists to, like, let them use their catalog. Did it feel cool. genuine? Did it feel uh, like, hey, these guys really get it, you know, or did no, it feel, or did it feel like... It, Oh, like, oh God! So who's these, who's I mean, this kid trying to play? You know, Paul McCartney. Sometimes it did, but yeah. there were some really special moments. It's some moments that I'll never forget from watching Idol. That were great performances. Uh, but no, you're most you're right. Most of the time, it was very phony, uh, and it was commercial as hell. But it was great. Turn off your brain TV, which I yeah, haven't always yeah. been able to get into. Yeah. But uh, but Idol was one of those shows. So, but like I said, I think I watched three seasons of it all the way through, and the show was on for like fourteen seasons. So yeah. I didn't watch a lot. It's not like I was right, a long time right. viewer. I think my mom watched it a lot. I think a lot of moms watched it a lot. Was why it did so well. <laughs> but the only thing we know about the new Idol is that Katy Perry is going to be a judge. So that was a pretty big get for them. Oh yeah, uh, Especially you're talking about she's got new music out. I mean, she's got music like legitimately. Yeah. That's charting right now. We're talking about, I would put her, I mean, she's probably among the five most popular. She's the most followed person on Instagram. Yeah. Like, period. I think she's the most followed person on Twitter also. 
So she's legitimately like one of the most popular people on the planet. Right. Huge name. I can't imagine what they paid her to get her to judge on the show. But <laughs> this isn't Paul Abdul and Randy Jackson. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like this. this Randy Jackson was so, a session guy. I exactly. Mean, dude was just you know. And sometimes those are the best guys to get to judge. Very, very, you know what I'm com- very accomplished because they've sure. worked with everybody. Worked with so Bruce. Worked with Bruce in the '90s. Yeah. I think he worked with Bob. Did he? I think he did. Oh my god. Yeah. He might have been one of those uh, under the red sun. Uh, <laughs> Guys or something in New Orleans. I'm not sure. He was with him at one of those points. But anyways, yeah, so they got Katy Perry. That's the only thing I know about it right now. Who knows what will go on. I probably will not. I'll probably watch the premiere episode of The New Idol just to see what's going on. It'll depend on what other judges they get, if they're going to get me interested. I think that's singing and talent shows live and die by the judges they get. Sure. That's why they're successful or why they're not successful. So it'll depend. And I think Katy Perry's a good start. I mean, I'll watch her. She's very interesting. Obviously, she's very easy to look at. She's a great singer, uh, and she brings some legitimacy to the show. So she does. I don't know if she's one of the great singers, but she's she, 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 she's a good singer. I would say she's well above that. I mean, I've always sure. I've always liked Katy Perry. I, I have always, too. Yeah, I like. Her I always thought she um, you know, exactly. She got a good personality, and I think um, the songs on her it was that first record. I really like those, and her last record. I you I've know, liked her. Yeah, more recent stuff. Yeah. Yeah, she's been, she's been doing some good stuff lately. So, not just the typical cookie cutter crap. <laughs> but so yeah, so that's coming back uh, this fall already. It's the the body hasn't even gotten cold, but American Idol's coming back. <laughs> All right, speaking of ABC yeah. and canceled TV shows, I also pivoting along here. Let's get off the singing beat. And let's talk about yeah. the most controversial cancellation of the 2017 TV season. Yeah. Starring the one and only Tim Allen, Last Man Standing on ABC <laughs> was canceled a couple weeks ago. And my God, yeah. you would have thought this show yeah. was on the air for 20 seasons, had you know 15 million viewers yeah. every week. Yeah. This show was a Friday night show that got one and a half million viewers every week, which, which is like which, very – it's, it's good for Friday night, but it's not – it's not the best. So, but well, the, the, the fact, the fact that it, nuts. The very fact that it aired on a Friday night tells you is not a good sign. I mean, that's 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 the you know those, those are dangerous waters. They on a are. Friday it's, night. The, it's the graveyard. And it's hence, the, this, that's why we're here. You know, on, the, <laughs> on a Friday night, <laughs> yeah. exactly coming at you live. So, Last Man Standing gets canceled, and everyone's sitting out. And Tim Allen is well known for being a conservative in his politics. And the show, I never watched Last Man Standing. I don't know if you ever saw an episode. Never, never, never did. And, never and, and I had no idea that it was – I just hadn't heard – I guess I, I knew that it was on, and I was aware that Tim Allen had a, a new show. Yeah. I, had, I knew nothing about it, really, other than those two things uh, until it was canceled. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of people. And it's unfortunate. But the whole thing's been politicized. People are saying it was canceled because of the politics and because the character on the show was also a conservative. And so this is an attack on Christians. This is an attack on on the right. This is you can't be a right in in Hollywood. But people got to calm down a little bit and understand about the television business. I don't think – I think people are just jumping in and hearing this. Okay, so so let's – that's a great point. Break it down a little further. How does a TV show get canceled? So the biggest thing that cancels a TV show, obviously, is bad ratings. Right. That's the number one thing that cancels a show. Because if people aren't watching, then you can't sell ads. Can't sell ads. That's all that matters. Unless you're on HBO or you're on. But even then, you got to get subscribers. Correct. So at that point, you're talking about buzz. With the show, the number one thing, obviously, is ratings. And like I said, this show got, I think it was getting a 1.5, maybe a 1.7 million viewers a week. Which is 
fine. And it's it's actually pretty decent for Friday night. It was the highest rated, I think, Friday night TV show. But, again, no one watches TV on Friday night. So being the highest rated Friday night TV show is like, is like being like the best shitty team you know, in the NFL like, or something like, like being, that. Like you're the thinnest kid at fat kids. Yeah, exactly. It, there you go. Very eloquent. <laughs> you're the best team of the teams that miss the playoffs. That's, that's pretty much what we're saying. <laughs> you were just missed. So that – on Friday nights, it got okay ratings, but that's not the only thing that leads to cancellation of TV shows. It's not all about ratings. Sometimes it's also about critical acclaim, which ABC pointed to in their cancellation of Last Man Standing. The show was a critical punching bag. It right. never got any acclaim. I don't think it won any awards during its entire run, um, and that is a, that is a point uh, that people – and also, like you said, Andy, you barely knew it existed, so it didn't get a lot of buzz either, this show. I think it had a loyal audience, but that was about it. And those shows always kind of go down, and it sucks when you're a fan of the show, but it's what happens in TV. And I think when you're in that middle ground, if you're not, if you're not growing your audience, then we don't want you anymore. I mean, that's, yeah. that's just – When you're on a network especially. Like, well, yeah, this was on ABC. Because, this wasn't on like right, right. AMC or and something it, like that. And this it's not like – one of the networks. Right. And, and unless you're holding a real significant number – again, you're on a Friday night. Take it with a grain of salt. But unless you're holding a really significant number – these these uh, these networks are always trying to grow yeah. those shows, and if they look at it and they say, uh, you know, I mean, this thing ain't grow. I mean, the you know, the numbers aren't going to lie to you if it's not growing. If they don't feel like they can make it come back to life, there's only one alternative. Yeah, and then you're taken off the air. And the the other thing that feeds into a show being canceled are production costs. Huge thing. If the if the network's not making enough money to cover it, then that's a big deal. And one of the things about Last Man Standing is Tim Allen's contract was up after six seasons. So he was going to re- have to renegotiate a new contract for the seventh season. And Tim Allen is not a cheap guy to hire to work on your TV show. I mean, think about it. Tim Allen on Home Improvement, he was making $1.25 million an episode That's almost, on Home Improvement. That's almost friend's money. It's almost friend's money. So you're talking about $1.25 million an episode. The show's on 24 episodes a year. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's making north of about $30 million <laughs> a year to be a dad on a show that lasts for 23 minutes a, a once a week. <laughs> so, I mean, that's incredible. So he wasn't making that kind of money for this show, but he was making $240,000 an episode. That was the last number I could find, and that was a couple years old. So that's $4.2 million a year. So that's not cheap. Right. That's expensive. Right. That put him actually in the top 20 highest paid guys, uh, actors, female, male, whatever, on television. On, on all of All TV. of television. He was in the top 20. So, again, you're talking about – and the other people on that list were stars of, like, The Big Bang Theory, number one rated show in TV, stars of Modern Family, which is in the top ten rated TV shows, stars Crit- of – Critical Darling. Exactly. That is- stars of shows like, you know, NCIS and that kind of stuff. These are, these are the people that are on that list with Tim Allen, and he's on a Friday night graveyard show. So his contract's going to be renegotiated. Clearly, you're going to try to get more money every time your contract's renegotiated. You're not going to be looking for less. So – and this guy, I mean, he's in, he's Toy Story. I mean, Tim Allen is a powerful. You might think of him as like this. Yeah, he was the guy from Home Improvement, but he is a powerful. He's a brand. He, he is definitely a brand. Yeah, he, he is has, a brand. There's like a lifestyle associated with him that people identify with, and he's great. I, Home Improvement was one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. Of I course. love that yeah. show. It was so funny. Yeah. I think he was brilliant in yeah. it. I think it was the perfect vehicle for his character of this masculine, you know, kind of doofus that really like always messed stuff up, but his heart was in the right place. It was a it was a really good show. Sure. And so I could see why Last Man Standing, you know, people did go to watch it because Tim Allen's he's funny, you know, and he's a he's dependable. If he's in something, it's probably gonna do pretty well. He's not been involved in a lot of failures. 
but just the amount of money he was making, the ratings that the show got, no critical acclaim of any kind, really no buzz. And let's not forget, the show was on for six seasons. Do you have any I idea no, what that means? I had no idea. In television these days, six seasons is like – a show would kill to be on the air for six what, seasons. What, what is the number of episodes they have to shoot before they can put it into syndication? Because that's it's, what everybody's shooting for. Exactly. It? I don't think it's – an. I can't remember if it's a number of – I think it's just five seasons. Oh, is it five seasons? I think it's you have to have five seasons of show so under this your show, belt. So this show will likely be in syndication. It already so. is. It got picked up by CMT. So oh, CMT well, the bought CMT. the rights to it. Yeah, so <laughs> – are you shocked by that? CMT bought the rights to it. So that is what I was going to say. So the show's going to live on uh. in syndication. So the studio that – I think it was 20th Century Fox produced it. Yeah. They'll, they'll continue to get money from this. And these days, well, even when a show gets canceled, it's not dead. We've seen it a hundred times. Shows get picked up by other networks. If And actually, Last Man Standing is on Netflix Na- right Nashville now. Nashville was on that. Nashville just moved networks. Yeah. I think it moved to CMT, Yeah, actually. Just moved networks from ABC to CMT. So you could see this happen. I could see this show. Now, Tim Allen's going to have to take a big pay cut if he's sure. going to move to cable or Netflix or something like that. But I could see a... Another network picking this show up with as much buzz as it's gotten. You may, but not, you may not have to take a pay cut if he moves to Netflix. May, maybe not, but they are, they're pretty cheap, I think. Most, most people say, yeah. Really? Adam Sandler, I think, is one of the only guys that makes a lot of money there. But people go there because the, the money they they're paying out good stuff. The money they're paying out to Chappelle and the money they're paying out yeah, to... Yeah, I do wonder what Chappelle made. But I think if, for people who create TV okay. shows, from yeah. what I've heard, it's okay. a pretty cheap place, okay. really, to go. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if it's got him, then... You know, you got his name on it. So I don't know what's going to happen with Last Man Standing, but I don't get all the controversy. I think the fact that he's a conservative and the show was about this guy who's a conservative, that has nothing to do with it. If Last Man Standing was about a conservative dad and it was the number one rated show on TV, ABC would not be canceling it. Have you seen the show? I mean, have you? I never watched it. I've never seen it. I mean, I. I, But from what I've read, it's supposed to be kind of like All in the Family, which that's. I I think that's kind of an insult to All in the Family because it was such a landmark. (laughs) But it's like All in the Family meets like a home improvement kind of thing. And and how come whenever uh, whenever people describe a show or an artist or a song or a movie, they always compare it to one of the best. Freaking! Because you know everyone I mean, knows it, yeah, right? But, but that is so. Anyway, um, <laughs> I just you know. So, but he's like the conservative dad, and he's got. I think his son-in-law is a liberal, so it's kind of the same thing. As were there the political overtones to the? To the I think so. Yeah, I think uh, from what I read, the show like changed its tone big time when it went to the second season. They made it a lot more political, and they and from what I read, it was kind of awkwardly handled. Like it wasn't really a meaningful. Like they could have done some meaningful political storylines. But instead, it was just kind of like the day's talking points oh, was what I read. So yeah. it wasn't really anything deep. It's pretty surfacey political like, did they stuff. Like, did they try to make, like, like lessons? Like, here's, yes. your, here's your lesson for the, That's you what know, I read. Like, like an a episode, full house style kind of a... I don't know about that, if it's that heavy but, 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 you know but, but you know what I mean. Like, they were pointing the, the audience the, in, one, in, a, in a direction. Is that... I don't think it was, like, an agenda show where it was, like, we're trying to make the audience into conservatives. I think mm-hmm. more or less you just had disagreements between the characters politically okay and then they buried the hatchet at the end of the episode it. it was like well that's all right that's your opinion and i'll have mine Got no it. one ever that from what i read anyway right. i've never seen the show Got but it. so to say that you know the show was canceled for being political i just think that's not an un- that's you don't have an understanding of how the television business it, works it, it is a common card uh that is played you know and and i think there is sort of a uh, a, a rush to judgment or, you know, just all here's one more example of, you know, and I think yeah. that's, you know, it may be a little bit, uh, it, it may be a, 
it may be a, a, a rush judgment, you know? Yeah. It, it, I think <laughs> that's what you're getting at. I, yeah, I totally agree. But, I mean, look at a show like King of the Hill. Yeah. Every character on the show, no yeah. question conservatives, all of them, and obviously it was kind of a joke, but they were all these deep south Texas guys. But it was embraced by... Gun-owning by, guys. Yeah. And it was, that show was on the air for like 11 years. I mean, it was a long-running and very popular uh, show that still lives on and streaming now. So. Sure. You know, it's not like there haven't been these shows, and shows are not, I, and I shows get canceled for one reason only. It's because people don't watch them; and they don't make enough money. That's the only reason shows get and, canceled. And, and networks do not cut off the nose to spite the face. No, you know, I mean, if it's making you, they want to make money. If it's making you money, you're going to have a seat at the table. You they, know, they, they're they, not going to, they're not going to be, they're not going to be symbolic. No. You know, networks and corporations and companies like you know of that in that fashion. They're not symbolic people. They don't do things to uh, for the for the sheer symbolism of it. No, I don't think so. It's it's, it's all about the dollar, baby. The all ID dollar, cold heart, as Homer cold. Simpson once said. <laughs> <laughs> cold hard cash. It's all that matters. Oh man. The faculty committee needs to approve it after they check for microaggressions. <laughs> microaggressions? You mean like midget warriors? <laughs> They're objectionable words or phrases. For instance, midget warriors. I know what microaggressions are. It's the latest liberal attack at free speech. And a lot of fun if you do them right. The university has a list of stuff they don't allow speakers to say, you know, to protect the students. From what, ideas? It's just the way that my school does things, Dad. Please, my grade is writing on this. Fine. All right, let's let's move on a little bit, man. Yeah, we're on, uh, we're already... I'm, I'm, looking at our, I'm looking at our Facebook Live. We are up to uh, two viewers. We're back to our maximum number. We're back. We're holding. I we're think, holding our audience. I, now, don't quote me on this, but yeah. I think I've read that on Facebook that's the maximum you can have. I think that's true. So I think we've peaked yeah, out. I think that's true. <laughs> I think it's just a. I think it's just a glitch in the uh, in the in the app itself. I, You're I just only don't able think to it have goes. Two viewers. It just doesn't go any higher than two. No. We may have more than two, but it just doesn't. It just doesn't, it click just doesn't up tell that you far. exactly. Right. We could have a million, but it just says two. I think it's trying to keep you humble or right. something. All right, so let's uh, let, let's move on a little bit. I want to talk uh, just a little bit more about television um, before I toss things over to you, yeah. Andy. Uh, this is, I mean, this is the best time in TV for me. Like all of my favorite shows are back on and new. And I was get, being asked the other day about what? like, what are you watching right now? That's kind of like old on Netflix. And right. I'm, I'm not watching anything old right now. It's like everything I'm watching is on right now, and I'm watching the new episodes. So it's in its first run. Sure, my like like I said, my favorite show is Fargo, which is probably my favorite show on TV. Period. It's funny you mentioned we're watching the second season right now. Oh man, it's so good. God, did you, did you like the first season? God, damn, one of the did best I seasons like the of TV I've season. ever seen. It's very good. And the second, I thought the second season was just as good. Where I'm only it's I'm incredible. only two episodes in. Oh, dude, I'm it's, only two. It's, hold on now, I'm it's fantastic. Only two, yeah, just yeah. But, but, love hey, it. Let, let but the third season's great too. And, and I don't want to cut you off. I don't want to. I don't want to divert because we we're classic for doing that when we get together. So I don't want to. I want to make a conscious decision not to do it. However, <laughs> too late. Somebody was. I can't remember who I was talking to, but they had listened to the podcast and they had said, "You know how much how much TV does Clint watch? Well, you give me give me because <laughs> you do. I will say. Question. Hold on now. I will say the. You have a handle on a lot of shows. I try in to. many see in many different kinds of shows. See, that's me. Like I've got a style when it comes to TV. More so that I, you know, when it comes to TV, I kind of like certain shows. Like Sarah's in a certain style, bro. Sure. You are all over the the board. So 
take me okay so you get off work how what do you how do you how do you have you know a handle on that number so that, my my big day is yeah. monday because i'm off on mondays okay and Beth's at work so that's the day like usually i'll watch the shows that she doesn't watch with me and we watch Fargo together, so usually we watch that on, right. like, I think it airs on Tuesdays. We usually watch it on Wednesday night or right, something. Right. We watch it on demand. Yeah. We watch Veep together, so we'll watch that after that airs. Yeah. Uh, I think on Monday nights we watch it. But usually by myself, I'll watch Silicon Valley. I watch Better Call Saul yeah. on Mondays. Um, I'm going to be watching uh, Master of None now here again since that's new again. Yep. Yeah, but it's I, on our I list. Just, it's really just whenever I have time. There's not, like, a set night. I'd say Monday is probably when I watch the most TV, but... I just I how want, many hours of TV do you watch on a Monday? Um, give me, get, come on. Right now, it's probably not as much as you would think. It's probably like four hours. Okay, which I don't think is a, an outrageous it's amount. It's not an outrageous amount, no. you know. But that's because the shows I'm watching so are how, on right now, so it's like one episode at a time. Right, I'm not binging right, anything right, right this moment. So I mean, how, you, I mean, but like two weeks yeah, ago, I yeah. watched the show. I watched Legion, and I reviewed it on the show. Yeah, I watched the whole series, like the whole first season, like in two days. And so that was like a true binging yeah. session. Okay. I wanted to tear yeah. through it really quickly. Okay. Um, so I do that sometimes. Okay. But most of the time I try to watch shows one episode at a time. Actually, I am watching a couple older shows too. So like when I get home after. I, f- I figured, yeah. When I, mean, I get I, home from work. Because do you have show? Let me ask you this. Do Because I do this with music. There's music that I feel like I should hear, and I, I'll listen to that. Yeah. And then there's music that I just, you know, it's what I'm into. So I'm going to go back. Like there's like casual listening, and then there's listening to just sort of because – you know, I want to. I want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I want to. I or you want to be able about, to talk about it here on the I show? Wanna, I want to be able to talk about it on the show. I want to be able to have a conversation. You know, when we're whatever at a party. Yep, yep. Because we go to parties all the time. Oh yeah, we're big party people. Yeah. Um, I do, <laughs> I do that. Uh, I don't feel like I watch a lot of stuff that I feel like I need to watch. Okay. I genuinely want to watch. Yeah. Like everything. Yeah. I just want to watch everything. It's how I am. Yeah. So I want to see everything. I go um, see. I go on like fact finding missions. Like I want to know about whoever. I do do or that. I want to know about fill in the blank. A, a show I'm going to touch on in a minute is one that I okay. feel like is a half watch. Yeah. Okay. And you know, and I've talked about this on the yeah. show before too. Shows that you've gotten really into, yeah. and they don't—they're not good anymore. But you just keep watching yeah. them because you've watched them right. this much. Like the Last Man on Earth, that's my show. That I don't—I just wish it would be canceled, sure. so I can be kind of done watching it. But I don't want to stop watching it because I like it enough to keep going. But it's just not that good. Right. But so the, the old shows, but when I get home from lunch or from work, I'll have like a little lunch because I get home early. I'll watch uh, NYPD Blue. I've been going back oh, and watching that God. show again. Yeah. So that's kind of my show I watch like when I'm eating. And yeah. Beth doesn't watch that with me. But And then when we go to my mom's house once a week, we watch The Americans. So I've been watching that show too, going back through that. Uh, and then like Beth and I watch a couple of other older ones too. We watch yeah. The Fall on Netflix, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute. But yeah. um yeah, I, I do. I watch a lot of TV. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I really like it. You Again, know? I said we wouldn't divert, but we did. Your original point, so your the, original My original thought. The other ones, though, yeah. the, the shows I'm really excited about now, It's just, you've got Fargo on. You've yeah. got Veep, which I just I think is the funniest it's one of the funniest shows of brilliant. all time. I mean, it's unbelievable. just kills you. It's so brutal. It's, it's, the it, Leftovers. It really is like The Simpsons in that the jokes are so – like every line, Rapid. Every, so rapid. Every line of dialogue is a joke, yeah, almost. That's for sure. You'll get lost. But The Leftovers, which to me is the closest thing to Lost that's ever been on TV since Lost, and I probably like it actually better than Lost. Uh, Better Call Saul, which just gets, I feel like gets better every week. I love that show. It's so so well written, so well acted. It's like a master class every time. It's just, and it's funny, and it's just a cool show. 
I like Silicon Valley a lot too, but like I said, uh, a couple other shows I like a lot are coming back out now. Master of None just had new episodes drop. Bloodline will have new episodes drop before uh, for its final season uh, before we release this episode. So it's a good month for TV, man. May I don't think used to be like the month for TV, no. but, I, but I think Mad Men kind of changed that in a lot of ways because that show would debut in April and would run through May and June, and like show, really good shows were not on at that point. Yeah, until I feel like you know Mad Men. I could be wrong on that, but I think that was really one of the first ones to do that. So. It's uh, it's it's a great time for TV. I did wonder, kind of like what you were watching. Are there any like shows that are on right now? First run that you're watching? We we, we uh, first run shows now. We're watching, like you say, the second season of Fargo. Uh, we're about to. We had a couple false starts on the second season of Master of None. Uh, but we got to, you know, we're going to sit down and we're going to watch that because we really enjoyed the first season. Um, what have I been into though? It's funny. I have in this again, man. We're going to be way out. We're going to get way out in the weeds. But I, I have been going back through. I think maybe we talked about it. And I've gotten really into like film noir, and so I'm. Yeah, you told me that. I'm picking up, you know, uh, these these you know detective shows from the uh, '40s and '50s. Uh, primarily, Are you about, like dragnet kind of stuff. No, not and not shows, but movies. Oh, movies. Yeah, okay. movies. Yeah, I mean, so you know, I'll if if Bogart's in it, I'm watching it. Um, I've really gotten into Dana Andrews and Orson Welles. Um, you, you know, uh, James Cotton. Um, even uh, uh, you know some of the old gangster you know movies from sure the Edward 30s. G. Robinson. Edward G. Robinson. I love Key Largo. It's one of my. One I've of never my seen favorites. that. Always wanted to see that. That's yeah, God. It's one of my favorites. That's Bogart, right? Bogart and and uh, and Bacall and, and Bacall and uh, Robinson. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good I mean stuff. that's <laughs> it's. It's phenomenal. It's like a murder mystery thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, sort of. It's you know, uh, kind of. You know, it's more set of in a, a hotel or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's more of a mob movie, you okay. know, than than anything. Um, but um, you know, the big sleep. Uh, I've gotten into uh, Robert Mitchum a lot. Uh, so that that type of thing is what that's what I've been doing at night. So more than I'll listen, you know, I'll put on a record and then you know I'll listen to maybe a record or two. Um, in my, and a lot of people know, but my wife works third shift, so I've got evenings, you know, just me and the dog, you know, and mm-hmm. so um, I'll listen to music, and then right around, I don't know, maybe eleven or so, that's when I, I move over to uh, to the couch and start watching, you know, my my film noir because you can't you can't watch that while it's still light outside, you know, those no, are no, those no. are nighttime movies, you know. But that that's totally anyway, agree. that's what I've been doing. I haven't been watching many TV shows. My movie watching has slipped a little bit. I've been definitely watching more TV. Like I said, I think it's the time of year. Cagney too. Uh, I forgot. Winter about time is the time where I really it's I'm movies nonstop and I don't yep. watch much TV in the winter. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I just I kind of wondered I wanted yeah. to catch up on kind of what you're doing. But yeah, I do watch a lot of I'm stuff. Still, dude, I, I'm I just, still, man, I'm still watching the Twilight Zone. I've been watching the Twilight Zone since since 2000. Four. Same here. I, I mean, know. and those episodes are rewatchable. They are. I mean, I can rewatch the same I, ones over and over again. I, I love that. You and I, it's one of the things that we bonded on early on. We both love The Twilight Zone. Yeah. It is the, the, just flawless. The writing. Best is writing impeccable. ever. Impeccable. It's, it's incredible. I mean, Rod Sterling. And the, the other guys that worked on there, like, didn't, uh, 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 who's the guy who wrote uh, Fahrenheit 451? 
Uh, Ray Bradbury, didn't he oh, write some? Yeah, uh, he wrote a he couple did. episodes. Yeah. Like he was friends with Rod Sterling. I mean, it's great. Like in, in sci-fi in the, gods all, are like the people who wrote these episodes. In, in the actors that pop up in, yeah. in the Twilight Zone. I mean, Redford. Every great actor from that time yeah, is in I an mean, episode. It, it, Burgess uh, Meredith. Yeah. In one of my favorite episodes, is the guy who uh, wants Ma- to read the books and loses and breaks his glasses. He, yeah, he was in two or three episodes, <laughs> and, and um, you know, you've got guys like Dennis Hopper who, who yeah. you know would would show up, and so you've Young you know, it, it, it was totally. Totally, totally uh, rewatchable, and I, man, I'll watch that's that. Awesome. I'll just watch it forever. It's, yeah. I go back to it. Same here. I'm so glad Netflix time. has that. That's, yeah. I hope they never. I know. They, I never drop that because that's that is a wealth of TV knowledge. If you've never gone back and watched it. So speaking of Netflix, yeah. Last thing here before I pass things over to you. Uh, I've been watching a show on Netflix. I'm not all the way done with the season yet, but. The way the show is, I think I can still give you an accurate kind of review of it because it's not a uh, it's not a scripted drama. I've been watching Bill Nye saves the world. Have you watched this at all? You know, I haven't. Um, I know he is. You know, in a, a in the midst of a career resurgence. Uh, yeah, big time at, at the moment. And I have not. I have not watched it. So this first season of Bill Nye saves the world. I think is thirteen episodes, half hour shows. They're very quick. They're they're short. They're less than a half hour actually. Uh, all of them are on Netflix, and also they, they brought back some of the old episodes of Bill Nye the Science Guy on Netflix as well. They've got like a collection of some of the best stuff. So if you, have, if you, did you go, go back, back and to watch Science Guy, I haven't yet. I'm, I'm wondering if it holds up. That's what I'm saying. I wonder if it's aged gracefully. I'm wondering because yeah. it's such a dangerous game when you go back and revisit the childhood favorites, man. Yeah, I know. I mean, I That's went, dangerous. I, a few years ago, I went back and, and I rewatched the Turtles movie, and I was just, <laughs> I man, I walked around with my head down for a few days after that. I, it was just such a freaking disappointment in the second one you got the tarzan boy song playing (laughs) baltimore good stuff so i don't know i can't speak to bill nye science guy but the episodes are there but i just want to say one thing about bill nye saves the world yeah if you watch the first episode and you're not crazy about it because i wasn't either i thought the first episode was very weak i was like this is this sucks like i really thought it was not a very good episode of television and I think this is a problem you get with a lot of Netflix shows. I think Netflix greenlights stuff, and then they put it into production, and then they just go. Like, they don't do a pilot, like a, a pilot session like every other network. Even Amazon does so, this. So not, not, not that it's rushed, more like it's undercooked? More like, yeah, they didn't take enough notes. Okay. Like, they just were like, eh, just go ahead. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And I think it's worked for some of their shows. But, like, on this one, I feel like they could have used – a lot more like refinement and they mm-hmm. could have made it really something special, but it feels kind of rushed together. I feel like so my biggest complaint about Bill and I saves the world though, by far. And, and the show, let me break it down for you real quick. He, Bill Nye is this like actual scientist. He made his living as a, I think he was a structural engineer for years working, you know, for some major corporations. And he started hosting this show in the nineties called Bill Nye, the science guy that Disney produced. And, the show was beloved. Kids loved it. Adults actually liked it a lot. And it was a cool show. It was like he, he would do experiments that kids could do, and he would really teach you something in it a half funny. hour. You know, I mean, and it, was, it was, was funny. Yeah, it was humorous. And it was a well-produced show. It, just, it, it, was, it was very 90s. It looked cool. Um, but so this show is, is for adults. This show is not for kids, and Nye has said that. It's for his audience that grew up with him. Now they've grown up, and he wants to do a more grown-up show for them. So it's for adults. doesn't always feel like it is. feels like he's still treating us like kids sometimes. But the, in every episode, he tackles a different topic. So when I first does came Bill in, Bill and I the, talk down to his audience. Oh, he does. Yeah, he does. That's one of my problems with the show. He, uh, but so the show, when I first watched it, I thought the whole show was about climate change. Like that was all I had heard. I thought this was just a thirteen episode. He's going to talk about climate change. So I was like, man, this is going to get like pretty old after 
you know, about the fifth hour of watching him talk about climate change. We get it. But it's not. Every episode deals with a different topic, and some are more interesting than others. But like I said, first episode, just not very good. But the problem with the whole, all the episodes I've seen is the studio audience. He, the, the show was shot before a studio audience, and I just feel like there is nothing that makes a show sound more dated, sound more stilted, awkward than a studio. I hate a studio audience. When I the applause lights start it. flashing. It is so phony. The, uh, and, and the way that they'll do the, ooh, ah, when he brings out different experiments, it's but the, but so that was that was an cheesy. element. That was an element of of Bill Nye the Science Guy, right? Because I remember. I don't think that but, show was in front of a live audience, though. I don't not, think not, it was not in front of a live audience. But I do remember like sound effects recorded, and, you sure, know, like for fun, for comic comedic effect. Yeah, but this isn't recorded. This is like a real. So it's, it feels way more forced. I feel okay. like. Okay. Yeah. But they got to get rid of the studio audience. It's so bad because it makes Nye act weird. Also, like he. He acts to get reactions from the audience versus just acting for the people at home watching, sure, which yeah. is who he should be acting. You know, there's only 30 people in the room. There's a million people watching right, right. at home. You've got to treat the people at home more importantly than you do. So is it, is it, like, a, is it like maybe like a lecture style? Or is it no, just, it's not quite like that. Or is it like that? sitcom? But, I mean, it's, like he doesn't, he doesn't address them, in other words. Like sometimes he, he does okay. address them. It's a little bit of a hybrid of that. But he tells jokes sometimes, and they're really bad, and then – like, they would be better jokes if he told them and then they had, like, a fake laugh and it was kind of, like, you know, cheeky. It, yeah. Like, we know this is like cheesy. We're, we're in, everybody's in on the joke that, it, that, that would you're be fun. not funny. Some people are gay. Some are bi. Some are asexual and some will take whatever they can get. <laughs> you know what I mean? It sounds like a lot of effort. It sounds like it, it is. It sounds like he's a little torn between the topic and the audience. I don't think he's a particularly, like, great host i think he was good on the show because it was heavily scripted on the, on the science guy. there were a lot of very fast edits a lot of cuts too. that's yeah. the other thing a lot of cuts on the old show yeah. this one though there's not it's like a lot of long takes and they, we have to just follow him as he lays out these experiments which most of the time don't aren't really you know that that great and then he brings out a a uh, a correspondent has them do a piece, which the correspondent pieces are probably the best part of the entire show because they are informative. They're well, they look good. I don't think they go deep enough. They're very surfacey, like they're not, not hard hitting enough for me. Um, but the experiments he does are kind of silly. And then the worst part of the show to me is this panel. He does a panel yeah. every episode, so he brings in. It's like if you ever seen Real Time with Bill Maher. Yeah. So he brings in like Bill Maher. He brings in three other people, and one of them is supposed to disagree with whatever he's talking about, and then the other two kind of agree. But it's like the panel, like no one really disagrees that much. It's almost like he just brought in three people that agree with him, and there's really no back and forth. He'll just ask them like a question that just he a lot knows of, the answer just to. Just a lot of, oh, you're so right. Oh, yeah. Oh, there is so, a lot. There is some so of that. Right. And yeah. I just don't feel like I learn a lot. And the, the panel part is cut up a lot. Yeah. So it makes it sound kind of weird. So I don't know. Just I'm, I haven't been nuts about it, but there have been a couple episodes I really – I like the second episode a lot. He was talking about uh, – um, like holistic medicines and how they don't work. Yeah. And he did a really good experiment that showed that he bought like this $60 um, all-natural uh, heartburn medication that they sell at Whole Foods. And then he <laughs> bought like classic milk and magnesia for like two bucks from the drugstore, generic. And he you know, did the test as to like what the acid looks like, and he poured them both into the thing. And, of course, the milk and magnesia worked like perfectly. Yeah. And the other thing did not work at all. It actually made it worse. <laughs> so it was a really good – like that was – it was cool because – He's talking about stuff that I think you really use. And, and, and you remember it. Like, you, it's easy to I remember. Did, yeah, yeah, exactly. And the climate change stuff is, there's no question, it's the most important scientific thing. But the problem with that is the people watching the show, if you're watching the Bill Nye show, you already know climate change is a real thing. Right. 
you already believe that. Right. Because it's been proven by scientists. And you trust scientists because you're watching – clearly you're watching a show You're about watching a scientist. a scientist, yes. So he's preaching to the choir is all he's doing. And I think he knows that to a point because he did say, like, you need to spread the word and get involved with different movements and stuff like that. So hopefully there will be some of that. But it, that episode felt a little preachy to me, and it didn't need to be because everyone already agrees right. with him who's watching the show. The, so. the, the vast majority. Yeah, exactly. He had one guy on the panel there's, there's no need, who was like no, a There's no need third. to preach when the majority is in your court. Exactly. But, Though also, I guess you could look at it this way, is that you, what you're doing these days when you do that type of thing is that you're trying, you're attempting uh, to speak truth to power because your pow- the power, quote-unquote, would not be on your side in this case. That's true, and that is sad. But... So yeah, so Bill Nye the sign, or I'm sorry, Bill Nye saves the world, and actually it has a theme song by Tyler the Creator, no. which I did not know that Bill Nye and Tyler the Creator are apparently pals. He, I guess, Tyler the Creator lives like right down the street from where his lab is in California. And I guess he just <laughs> dropped by, what? and he would like hang out. And so Nye was like, "Hey, I'm doing this new show. Would you want to do the theme song for me?" And he did the theme song. It's a pretty cool little, uh, oh my god, nice little theme song. So yeah, those are. A couple interesting cats hanging out with each other. I mean, yeah. (laughs) 20-something rapper and, uh, like, 60-year-old scientist guy. I don't know. I mean, Tyler, the creator. Have you you listened to... Oh, yeah. I'm a fan. Oh, my God. (laughs) That dude is avant-garde. No question. He is way out there. I wonder if Nye's ever listened to his music. (laughs) Like I wonder he if he's think, really—he just thinks he's a nice neighborhood boy. He, he probably <laughs> thinks he's like a musician, but he's like, oh yeah, he probably yeah. does some of that like Justin Bieber kind of pop stuff. Yeah. He's never listened to Yonkers or any of that. I'd love to see his face <laughs> the first time he heard what uh, Tyler the Creator had to say about Bruno Mars. That would be pretty good to <laughs> see. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, Bill Nye Saves the World. 13 episodes yeah. right now are on Netflix. And as I said, Bill Nye the Science Guy collection is also on Netflix right now as well. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, I think I've talked about enough TV here for the uh, first uh, hour and a half of what's usually an hour-long show. Uh, let's go, <laughs> Andy. Stretch your legs out, man. Let's yeah. hear what you've got. Uh, All what right. you've got going on. Oh, this time. Golly! All right, let's try. Uh, let's start with this. 
And I appreciate it, by the way. This is, this is fun. And I hope, uh, I can only hope that everybody's hanging with us uh, as we... <laughs> I can only stand to see you about as, once a year, so... As we you know, indulge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so we'll start by doing this. We don't get together often enough, as you know. And uh, folks that maybe if they aren't as familiar with with the program or if they're not as familiar with with you and I as people for um for purposes of the stream police podcast we kind of stay in our lanes right we have our specialties I talk music you talk uh movies in in TV and then we really don't moonlight into each other's into each other's territory but I'm almost as big a movie fan as I am you know into music and uh, vice versa is true for you. I yeah, know, you know I'm a huge music guy. Yeah, I mean, God, we've spent hours and hours upon hours at the, you know, at the the pub. <laughs> oh, sure. Breaking all this down. So let's start. Let's start by this. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I don't want you to think about the answer. They're all music oh. related. Okay. I don't want yeah, you to. Right. I don't want you to think about the answer. I just want to hear uh, what comes to you off the top of your head. Okay, because people don't. I'm they, never if, good at that. I'm just saying. Look, I'm if, not good if at people, that. If people listen to the show, they don't get to see this side of Clint, and this is this is what I want to kind of dig into. Okay, okay? so right. I'm just going to I'm going to go three two with your favorite album. Go. Oh God, uh, I'm going to go with Neil Young's Freedom, the most disappointing album you've ever listened to. Oh my God, see now that's tough. Now come on, we've all been disappointed. I'm thinking of something Dylan because I always hold them up so high. Yeah. You know what? No, I'm going to give you my real answer for this. It was probably Graduation by Kanye West. Really? Disappointed me the most because I I, was a diehard. Is that true? Yes. Because it disappointed the hell out of me, as you you know that. I was a diehard. Yeah. uh, I was a diehard college dropout guy. Yeah. Diehard late registration guy. I liked that one even more. And then I, I built up. I mean, he was one of the guys that really was oh. like one of the foundations of my musical fandom. Same, same and graduation. Here. It just didn't have. It sounded too much like the other ones, but just not as good. Yeah, it was like everything was kind of trying to sound like it, but just not quite there. With the exception of like "Stronger" is a great song. I, I, I thought I thought it was a very homogenous record, in, in that it, was. it all just sort of you know there. I didn't feel like it was the most unique thing that he could have done. Agreed. That's my pick then. Best live show. Uh, it was probably uh, Springsteen the first time that I ever saw him when I was with you. I was present, yeah. Uh, in Cincinnati here. That's yep. probably the best show that I've seen. It was just, it blew me away. The most lukewarm show you've ever seen. I was just talking to, uh, to you about this one uh, on the car on the way over here. I saw Jamie Johnson in Cincinnati not that long ago, and he's a guy that I like, love, idolize, worship, think he's a genius, but and went to see him live. He doesn't tour very often. I was really excited, but. It was just like an okay show. Yeah. It wasn't the best thing I've ever seen. It wasn't the worst, but you know, I expected more. This is good. People don't get this side of you. Name an underrated band. I don't think people talk about Steely Dan enough as being one of the great bands ever. I feel like old people talk about it, but I don't feel like people like our age like Steely Dan that much. So to, no. to, to me, they're very underrated. And that's a very millennial. Uh, it seems like that's a band that would appeal to millennials so. as well. It's I don't so know witty. why. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's academic. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. the the musicianship's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I think people need to give Steely Dan more of a chance. Uh, name an overrated band. The first band I think of when I, the first band I thought of when I thought of overrated was the Beatles. But they're not over. I mean, they're only overrated. No, it's fine. Go ahead. No, no, that's a, that's a fine answer. Go explain that though. 
they're overrated because they're constantly talked about and played nonstop right. Right. as like the only band that matters. Right. And that's just no one can live up to that. Right. I don't care who you are. Right. So no band could live up to it. Even though the Beatles catalog is fantastic, I only listen to about half of it. Yeah. I'm one of the guys that only listens to the new, the, the later stuff, the new yeah. stuff, the new Beatles. Right, the new Beatles. <laughs> you know, the post-Rubber like the right. post Soul stuff right. is the stuff I like. And the stuff before that, I just don't care for that much. Right. And that's half their catalog. Oh, yeah. So I probably would say the Beatles. Uh, excluding Bob Dylan and Springsteen, who's your favorite writer? Hank Williams is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I mean, just for the sheer number of songs that he wrote. Again, I would probably put Kanye West up there. Yeah. I think he's a genius. Yeah. Um, There'd be a lot of rappers on that list. Uh, I'd, I'd probably have Outkast on there, too, I think. Speaking of Kanye West, name somebody who's always irritated you. <laughs> he, hasn't I, always, I, he hasn't always irritated me, but, he, you know, he's... I think Ed he's, Sheeran has always irritated me. Okay. Ever since, like, the first time I ever saw him. I don't know. It's just something about, like, the way he looks and yeah. the... I, I, don't, I don't get it, I guess, with Ed Sheeran. He just... He, something about him irritates me. If John Lennon's ghost appeared before you and he had time to answer one question, what would you ask him? Oh, wow. Um, I would ask him what songwriters now does he think, you know, kind of carry the, the mantle. I would like to know that. Skinny Elvis or Fat Elvis? Got to go with Fat Elvis all day. The karate chopping Elvis. No question. <laughs> Other than Kendrick Lamar and The Weeknd, who is the most talented young artist right now? I like Anderson Pack a lot. Yeah. I think he's got a ton of talent. He yeah. is a great writer and Versatile. a fantastic voice. Uh, so I would probably have him up. I think Drake's really talented as well. I think he's underrated a lot of times. Would you rather lock Justin Bieber in a room full of Beatles records and tell him to take notes or just punch him in the face? <laughs> I don't think I would do either of those things, honestly. I'd probably just let him keep doing what he's doing. Okay. All right. I think he's been getting better, I feel like. I feel like his music's been getting a little bit better. I think it's so boring. A little man. bit. I I'm not it's, saying it's I think the greatest it's so stuff. so goddamn boring. Well, that's. I mean, that is. That is I mean, look, that is soft rock bullshit. I mean, that is soulless corporate soft rock. He had the one tune last year that was a hit that I really did like, though. It was the only song by him that I've liked so far. I can't remember the name of the song. That's how great the song was. Yeah, yeah. Remember the name of it? It, made it clear, <laughs> clearly made an impression. I really liked it, though. They've played it all the time, and I was like, this is a pretty good song. All right, finally, why do you think people laugh when I tell them that you and I saw Garth Brooks in Lexington, Kentucky a couple years ago? Because they have their heads up their asses. That's the only reason. <laughs> no, see, why do they laugh when I tell That's them why, that I because saw Garth Brooks? They can't acknowledge that because they th look at Garth and they see yeah. like the checkered shirts and the headset mic they and he's they, running around. They, they think, think he's a joke. They think nineties. That's why they I do think it. they think they he's think a joke. Dated. I don't think they think he's pudgy serious. Nineties phenom. But he is serious. The guy loves performing more than anyone. He is a legitimate guy who cares about songwriting. Right. He worships songwriters. If you listen to him, he has done a lot to support good songwriters yeah. as well. Um, and he's not really a big songwriter himself, but he has dabbled a few times as well. He's, he's, but I, he's, he's he, a t totally underrated guy. Though. People just don't, they don't take him seriously. He's also one of those guys that he, he is not edgy. He, he does have a family-friendly show. And sure. So, but so were, those guys, I do feel like guys that, that sort of, um, not that they necessarily play up that appeal, but they're not, they're, they, they own that appeal. They own their family-friendly appeal. I think those dudes tend to be uh, looked down on by your, you know, by your 
music snobs, a lot of them. But do. there have been times where Garth was edgy. I mean, think about the song "We Shall Be Free." But nobody Can remembers. Imagine? But nobody remembers that song. Doesn't anymore. matter. He still cut it. And it was yeah, still. He did. Could you imagine Jason Aldean cutting a song like that on a oh, even being yeah. a deep cut? Yeah. Can you imagine Jason Aldean doing yeah. a song like "Wolves" yeah. or "Face to Face," where he's putting the He's, he's singing from the perspective of a rape victim. I mean, yeah. how you know what I'm saying? Like, Even the thunder, the thunder rolls. The I mean, thunder I, rolls. I, I couldn't, hard no song, yeah, man. Yeah, I couldn't see him doing that. That's what I'm saying. So, but they do just, they, they, they do think family friendly. They almost think Disney. They think he's silly, but they he, do. He's not silly. I and he is a I mean, he's a great business uh, guy. He's yeah. managed his image very well over the years and. I don't know. People just don't give him the respect. But yeah. you'll have more fun at a Garth Brooks show than you would have at almost any oh. other show. I mean, you enjoyed it, right? Well, I did enjoy. You it. like his music anyway? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. High, it was high energy. I mean, he doesn't. He's not like Oasis, who just stands there, like you know, no. like they're freaking cardboard. Like they're pissed off to be there, and they probably were. He legitimately, I think, enjoys being there. And we saw him. It was his second show of the night, right? That's right. I, freak, I always forget saying? about that. Like, that he was the second two-hour two right. show of the night. That's right. So, I always forget about yeah, that. Most yeah. guys are lucky if they can do an hour and a half. That was a funny evening because the show didn't – I don't think, dude, the show started until almost 10 o'clock. I think it was like 10.30. I'm, I'm telling was you. It? I think it was 10.30 when he actually started. <laughs> it was, And we didn't get out of there until 1. I know. I had and like a three-hour drive back to Dayton. And he had been performing since like 7 o'clock. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy's a machine. He's insane. That is, that is whacked People out. Need to, they, need to re, they need to look at Garth again. So I thought this was interesting, uh, pivoting a little bit. I'm sure, you, I'm sure everybody listening knows Chris Robinson, Once, part of t- once Upon a Time. He's part of a band uh, called uh, The Black Crows. Um, we'll jog your memory here. He did this song. And he also, they also, the band also cut this song. Chris Robinson recently interviewed by uh, Howard Stern. Now, Stern, I don't know how he gets things out of. Uh, the folks that he's talking, I don't know how he gets the things that that he does, but he just has he just has a way about him. He makes them comfortable. He makes them very comfortable and takes them off guard. After he? they're comfortable, they're put on the spot, and because they were comfortable initially, they feel compelled to answer. I think. Yeah. Anyway, like so many of Stone's inter- or Stern's interviews, is uh, a conversation with Robinson made headlines among other things. He said that he, this is Chris Robinson, said that he hated his brother who was also in the Black Crows. Yeah, I was going to say, they were in the band together. Right? Yeah, told a story about how Greg Ullman uh, told him off in the early 90s and spoke about playing on stage with, with Jimmy Page, playing Led Zeppelin songs with Jimmy Page. They cut an album uh, together. But what I want to focus on is what he said about John Mayer. Uh, and he said this. We'll take a listen. What, what, what is it that I, I don't the really, problem I'm is? not a big John Mayer fan. No. no? no. Why? I, I've, I, because, I, I, I mean, it's like Jerry Garcia is a hero of mine. Right. Everything that Jerry Garcia ever talked about or stood for is he, John Mayer is the antithesis. Is you know he, I mean? He's of a course. wonderful guitar player. He's, he knows all the licks. There's nothing unique about his playing. Jerry was one of the most unique musicians in the world. Jerry never played anyone else's licks. Now here's John Mayer playing everyone else's licks. So it bothers you. It doesn't he, bother me. I just won't. I just don't have anything to do with it. What he's talking about here is a lack of originality. Robinson's point of view is that yes, John Mayer can play the guitar, 
and even you could maybe even say he can play very well. Can't argue but, with that. But it's all his point is that it's all been done before. He has studied and he has copied. Lord knows he's taken a move or two from from Stevie Ray Vaughan. That said, I don't know if you agree with it or not. I don't know if I agree with it or not. My question to you is, what is it that makes an artist original? It's a really tough question. It's just like what you asked earlier about the voice thing. Um, And I think for him to even compare him to Stevie Ray Vaughan, knowing John Mayer and that John Mayer is a diehard Stevie Ray Vaughan fan, I think John Mayer would be thrilled to know that anyone compares him to Stevie Ray Vaughan. But nobody wants to be called – nobody wants to be anything but original. You know, as self-conscious as John Mayer is, I don't think he wants to be – I still think he would be honored by that, though, that you you could even confuse him with him. But So what makes you original, I think, is – no one's truly original. Everyone's doing stuff that's been done before. Of course. I think Hendrix was pretty original, but I bet even then you could point to guys. I'm sure there were guitar guys standing around going, well, he ripped that off of so-and-so. And And I know he, I mean, he did take some things from like, uh, the Billy Gibbons from ZZ top, I guess Hendrix said he he liked the way he played. And, uh, you know, Neil Young was doing some things on good things on guitar back then. There were a lot of guys that were good guitar players back then, Jeff Beck and whoever else you want to name. But, so I think you're always taking a mix of things. So you know, you make it your own and John Mayer's voice I think is what really separates him from a lot of guys. I don't think he sounds like anyone else when he sings. Let me ask you this. Obviously John Mayer is playing with the Grateful Dead right now. Was Jerry Garcia a, an original sounding guitarist in your mind's eye? I'm not a huge Deadhead. I've listened to like three albums by yeah, them. So, yeah, I, that's about what I, I've got. And to. I like them. Yeah. Um I I like a lot of their music. I like their songwriting, but yeah. I never when I've listened to them, I haven't been like enamored with listening to Jerry Garcia. Right, like he doesn't steal the show for me, so I don't really get it. Right, um, so I'm not sure. I'm not a guitar guy either, so I don't really know like what made him original. But so no, to me, he's not like the greatest guitar player or anything. Does he sound copy and paste? No, I wouldn't say that. Okay, um, I think I can definitely identify Jerry Garcia when I hear one of his. So I, mean, I mean, John Mayer. Does John Mayer oh, to I'm you? Sorry. Does John Mayer to you uh, seem like oh, he lifted that from you know he's playing the same? I don't feel that way. Okay, I feel like uh, sometimes in some of his solos he does sound a lot like Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I've listened. To, Stevie Ray Vaughan's one of those guys who I've I've got his entire catalog well, at Steve, home and Stevie, listened to it many times. Yeah, Stevie Ray Vaughan. His he goes for these peaks, you know, that are just so. I mean, there'll be note runs that he'll play that are the same ones that Vaughn played. Absolutely, or they go, a tone. I, there's a tone also. There is guitar. a tone, and I think they go. But I think I do think they go for those same peaks. I think they go for that yeah. same that that peak in the solo. It, it, they're seeking out similar territory, or he's seeking out similar territory to what Stevie Ray Vaughan did. But I've always thought Mayer was a pretty original guy. I mean, I, I think what makes you original is do you take chances? And Mayer has always, I feel like, taken chances. True. He's changed his sound several times. Yeah. Um, I didn't really care for the stuff that like he was doing on his first record. That's not really for me. But the Continuum stuff, I love. Love Continuum. Uh, the Try like, record, yeah. I really love. And it yep. sounds nothing like that. No. Um, and the new stuff he's been doing, I feel like, doesn't sound like anything he's done before also. Yeah. So it's... To be original, you gotta always be seeking something new. Of, I think. Of course, the great iron- your own path. Yeah, you know the great irony in all of this is that it's Chris Robinson criticizing John Mayer, and I have always felt like oh. the Black Crows were the just the most classic sounding, you know, Southern rock band. That's all they were. They were like a. They sounded like a bar band. Exactly. That I was mean, trying to play. 
Uh, Almond yes. Brothers stuff. Exa- they were cut right de- right down the middle between the Almond Brothers and Thirty Eight Special. <laughs> it, it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, tell me. I mean, tell oh me. sure. And even Skinner and Skinner. Uh, yeah. That's the thing with the Black Crows. They're like they're not. They're not. They're almost like a cover band. <laughs> they're not trailblazers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's weird. That's the pot calling the kettle black. Man. <laughs> that's and, but that's an insult to Mayor too. to say that because I, yeah. I think Mayor is original. I would consider him an original artist. Do you not think he's an original artist? You know, I think he is an original artist. He doesn't always uh, line up with, with, you know, what I'm seeking, but that probably proves that he's an original yeah. artist, you know, because it's You don't not, know what to expect. You, you don't know what to expect. I don't think his new stuff is as, uh, is as cutting edge as it's being touted. I think it. I think it is very similar territory to what he's done before, and that's cool. You think so? I do. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and, and that's cool. I mean, it's not. Um, it, it, it's not uh, radical, but it's you know, it, you know. So don't, let's not let's not call it radical. I mean, it's you know. I would never use that word to describe John. No, Mayer. I would never say he's radical. And I wouldn't say this is a change. You know, he said, no. "Well, this is a tone. It represents the best way I can do in all these different areas." That's what the record is called. Uh, the search for everything. It's like an ongoing record, right? Well, now it's done. Oh, it's done now. So okay. the, the completed right. record is finished, and it, it is out. And it is, it's uh, noted for its, quote-unquote, diversity, the diversity in the songs. And there are good songs on it. I mean, they're, they're, you know, he's, he is a talented songwriter. There's, yeah. there's no doubt about yeah. it. But you can't say it's, it's, it's too much different than what he was doing okay. before. You just, you I haven't listened to the whole thing. You can't do it. And it's not, you know, it, it doesn't reach the, uh, the heights that something like Continuum did. I, was, I love that record. Hit me in a very particular way. Still does. And, uh, and this one just is, is, is as talented as he is and as good as he is. Didn't move me like that, you know. But I haven't listened to him and thought, like, this guy is unoriginal. Like, he sounds like whoever. That's not what I feel when I think, when I listen to John Mayer. I, I don't feel like he is a, a big-time copycat, but there are, there are the times only guy that I do hear when I listen to him is Stevie Ray Vaughan sometimes. But that's not all the time. It's just sometimes. I don't, I don't think as an artist he's a throwback. I don't think he's a revivalist. Though, there are times when he clearly goes old school when he's playing. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's, that's there. But to your point, when you factor that into the total package, um, because he's not just a guitar player, right? He's not just a soloist. He's not just, you know, uh, whatever. I mean, you got to look at everything uh, put together. You got to look at the whole picture. Sure. And yeah, I mean, I do think he's original. I do. And that's why I kind of disagreed with what Chris Robinson was saying, because the Black Crows, again, I like some of their stuff. But they were not. They they weren't trailblazers. Not original, at all. Let's try this on. Stevie Van Zant of Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band recently gave a speech at a commencement at where else? Rutgers University in New right in the heart of New Jersey. Jersey. So here's a little bit of the speech that he gave to the graduates. Summing up, what have I learned in this crazy life? Two things might come in handy. When your ship comes in, you'll probably be at the airport. I mean, you can make all the plans you want, but keep your eyes open for unexpected opportunities because that's where most of life comes from. Keep your standards high, no matter what. This comes as he's getting ready to release a brand new record. In fact, I think it is uh, available now. Here's a song entitled St. Valentine's Day.
But I want to go back to the speech. He said something that, that was interesting. Uh, listen to this. And when it comes to art, slow down. It's not a math problem. Let the senses soak it in. One more time. And when it comes to art, slow down. It's not a math problem. Let the senses soak it in. Clint, we live in a hot take society. Everybody needs a hot take in the spirit and truly in the spirit of overdue review. How important is it to soak in art before you start to label it and put it in its place? Your thoughts? Now, this work, I think, is a double-edged sword for Stevie, which, by the way, how great would it be to have little Steven? Do you think they knew who he was? He, probably not. <laughs> I mean, do you think, do you think I the, bet there were ten think, guys that knew who he was. The kids at Rutgers knew who Steve was. Ten little kids Stevie knew who was. he was, and right. they were going nuts. Like, they were, <laughs> like, waiting afterward to get his autograph. Yeah. But with the Disciples of Soul oh, record. I'd, I'd, I'd be just shit. Or yeah. I know, me too. Yeah. We would we'd be going crazy. Sopranos DVD box sets. Oh, so, so, anyway... Th- this is a double-edged sword. So this works, I guess, for loving art and hating it because we've all heard a song first time on the radio and we, like, loved it. Couldn't get out of what our head. What is this? What is Just this? It was fantastic. Yeah. And then maybe you heard it again, yeah. like, a week later, yeah. and you didn't think it was so good. And you're like, it's like, what happened that first time you heard it? Why did you think it was so great? Because clearly it sucked. Yeah. So I think, yeah, this is a good point from, from, uh, from little Steven here. Um, there is some kind of joy, though in just hearing something or watching a movie for the first time and just loving it and raving about it. I right. think there's something really cool about that. We all overanalyze. I think Stephen Van Zant definitely oh, comes God, off to me yeah. as one of those guys yeah. who probably overanalyzes yeah. everything he does. Yeah. Um, he is a thinking man for sure. A renaissance and that man, is yeah. a, And that hurts sometimes. You know, sometimes it is just better to just let go yeah. and just enjoy just whatever in, it is you're doing and just don't you know, have classify to take it, for what it, it is. don't label it don't review it don't just 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 enjoy it yeah exactly so uh i but i, I do think he's got a point so i i would rather let something soak in but i think you and i we like to criticize things we write about things on the website yeah. so we do subscribe to that but there's something great about just watching it experiencing it for the first this, time th- this is the thought that i had uh when i when i heard his speech it, how many times have we heard a record that, that, you know what, the first time you hear it, it's okay. But three months later, it's all you're listening to. Do oh, you, yeah. Do you, do you ever do Tons that? Of times. Yeah, some sure. of my favorite sure. records, some of my, uh, you know, I know we've talked about Bob Dylan a lot tonight, but but his record called Oh Mercy. Yeah. I listened to it the first time, and, and I was I was totally underwhelmed. I thought, eh, you know, I don't, I don't know. But now it's like, I mean, it's in my top five of, 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 my favorite records of it. I, I could, love that album. I could yeah. listen to it every day, and and but it wasn't that way initially. It had to grow on me. And Oh Mercy, I think I liked a little bit more the first time I listened to it. But for me, Shot of Love was that way. First okay. time I listened to it, I didn't yeah. love it. But then it has become one of my all time yeah. favorites. Yeah. It, it, I mean, are there other 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 records to you that that you feel like you know over time there's just something that, uh, Springsteen's. Um, Springsteen's Tunnel of Love is that way for me. I didn't yeah. love it the first time I listened to yeah. it I, I, because I wasn't expecting it to sound that way. Yeah, it was a little too. It sounded too dated for me. But yeah. now that's one of the things I like about it. Yeah, is that it has that drum machine kind of like thing going on. Yeah, and it just sounds almost like a ticking clock or something. You yeah, know, the, the drum machine has even the song Tunnel of Love. The first yeah. time I ever heard that song was not on the record. It was uh, on a greatest hits. Oh yeah, and so it's like mixed up with all these you know great songs. I think it, and it always comes <laughs> right after like. 
the, the born they'll have USA glory stuff. days. Yeah, yeah. So you'll hear glory days, and it's this great rock and bar song. And then you go to Tunnel of Love, and it's like this bizarre fat man sitting on a little stool. It's, little, it's he- a little more heavily produced, ironically, very heavy, yeah. because I think he did it himself, which yeah. is, you know. And, and I didn't like it that much. But yeah. then when I listen to the record, I'm like, this is great, man. This is fantastic stuff. So it happens to me a lot with, with albums, actually. L- let me ask you this. Steve Van Zandt obviously gave the commencement speech we were just talking about. Will Ferrell gave a speech uh, this year. Uh, we're going to play for you part of a, a speech that Jim Carrey gave um, at a graduation a year or two ago. My father could have been a great comedian, but he didn't believe that that was possible for him. And so he made a conservative choice. Instead, he got a safe job as an accountant. And when I was 12 years old, he was let go from that safe job. And our family had to do whatever we could to survive. I learned many great lessons from my father, not the least of which was that you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. This is not an uncommon thing, but who in your mind is overdue uh, to give a commencement speech at a graduation? My answer is Willie Nelson. Now look at this. Hold on. Checks all the boxes. Somebody you want to hear from. Uh, Long life. Check. Unique aspirations. Check. Humor. Check. Worldliness. Check. And the dude is freaking resilient. What was it? A few years ago, he was in debt, uh, hundreds of millions, tens of millions of dollars to the IRS. And now he has turned it around. I want to hear about that type of resilience before I head out into the freaking real world. One of the most accomplished guys, too, in music. Absolutely. Regardless of genre. And a universally loved guy. By people in all genres. Exactly. People that don't even like country music, they like Willie Nelson. Absolutely. Even if they don't know his music, they like him. They think he's cool. He's like, he's the weed guy. And he's, you know, he's he's got the, the radio station. And he's cool, man. Absolutely. He's just like, he's a cool guy. Absolutely. So. He's a up, good pick. He's up there. I, I put Randy Newman up there, too. I think Randy Newman would be fun. Randy Newman would probably be good, especially right now with all the politics uh, that he could he could carve up. I'd love to hear him do, do a new record. It'd be freaking brilliant. Also, anyway. Uh, the guy for me would probably be Dr. Dre. I think uh, <laughs> yes. he would give a hell of a commencement speech kids yeah. still know him yeah so they would like to hear from him um very accomplished career not only in music but business i mean you're talking about a billionaire yeah with a b because not because of the songs he wrote and produced because of the headphones that he put his name on yeah I mean, isn't that incredible that yeah. were bought by apple i mean that's what i want to hear about when i'm talking about dr dre i mean here's a guy who can tell you about why selling out is not such a bad thing you know it might free you up to do some really great work which he hasn't done much work. He's the notorious perfectionist in yeah. all of music. Yeah. He's been working on the same record for about 15 years now. Uh, but, yeah, I'd love to hear from Dr. Dre at my graduation. Absolutely. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good answer. So, as you guys know, we are building the most perfect playlist known to man each week. I give you five more songs to stream, to download, to whatever, to add your, your, your whatever, whatever method of madness you have chosen you add it to our uh, growing stream police playlist, which is available. We always have to remind folks, if you ever want to listen to it, put it on shuffle. You've had a hard day at the office. Uh, put our, uh, our playlist on shuffle on the way home, and uh, you'll have good company. So I always give it's you – It's on Spotify. Yeah, and it's quite it's on, big It's now. on Spotify. It's a, it's a we've got – Yeah, I mean, how many songs are on it now? Do you know? I, uh, I, I mean, we've got – I'm not sure, but it's, it's pretty long. We've got a bunch of songs. But uh, – I can tell you right now, it is – 
up to 136 songs. That's nine hours of listening for there you. There you go. And that's not every song. You you have had a that'll few you, that you've that, picked. Yeah, that'll get you through a work day. It, it will, yeah. you And you've had a few that you picked that aren't actually on yeah. Spotify, so they weren't able to be put on the list there. But, right. Uh, but it's a hell of a playlist yeah. at this point. So anyway, I gave you five songs at the end of every uh, at the end of my segment, and I did the greatest TV themes. Okay, the greatest TV show theme song of all time this week. Clint let me uh, take the reins there during his segment. I'm going to let Clint take the reins here at the end of my music segment, and Clint himself is going to give you five songs to check out. This week, and we are going to add these uh, to the most perfect playlist known to man, which again is up as we speak on Spotify. So check it out. Clint. If you search "Stream Police," you there will it find it. By the way, right. thank you, Andy. By the way, this talk, talk about an honor. Oh God! I damn. called my mom. <laughs> I mean, I called people. I called old teachers that I haven't talked to since I was in high school. Uh, I mean, just <laughs> couldn't believe it when you offered me the chance to do the five songs yeah. for the most perfect playlist known to man. Yeah. So I'm going to take full advantage of this. I'm going to give you now. Don't take this as these are like my five favorite songs of all time. No, I don't even think I. These are five. Just these are these are kick ass songs. They, they are They're just be, make great additions to the playlist. They're speaking to you at this moment. I don't even That's think. That's true. I don't even think my favorite songs are even part of the playlist. They're just whatever I was feeling as I was putting this thing together. That's what ended up, you know, being recommended. That's the way you do it. All right, I'm going to start you off here. My first All of right. the five. Let's hear. It. A little tune by Rush, the Canadian trio, called Between the Wheels, which Ooh. I think is the best song that they ever recorded. I think it's the oh, crowning – I think it is the crowning moment Woo. in Rush's entire career. Yeah. A, a rock and roll Hall of Fame career. Yeah. Between the Wheels, it, it, just, it doesn't get any better than this for me. It's got the great lyric in it. You can go from Rocket's Red Glare – to brother, can you spare? I mean, one <laughs> of the best. I think it's the That's best. A great I think line. it's the best lyrics Neil Peart ever wrote. He's not yeah. a great lyricist, I don't think, but this song's fantastic. Yeah. So here you go, Sick. "Between the Wheels" by Rush. Let's hear it. All right, number two. I'm going to check in with one of my favorite. I think this woman embodies, like, everything that has been missing from rock and roll for just really since probably the 90s. I mean, since the Chris Cornell days. I'm going to go with Pedestrian at Best by Courtney Barnett, Ooh. who was nominated for a Grammy last year Indie for Best darling. New Artist a couple years ago. I and I listened to her first record, and... I just fell in love with it. I love yeah. her accent. She's Australian. Yeah. She's got this great singing accent. And then I saw her on SNL, and I fell in love yeah. even more because she's yeah. just such like a legitimate badass. Oh yeah, she she doesn't give a she, shit. And that is the thing, man. Yeah. And she's oh, she's just so far from commercial. Yeah. And this song I love because it's so funny and so raw at the same time. And the characters in her songs, like all of her songs, are just so cool. They're like characters you would love to hang out with and spend a day with. That's her thing, I think. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong. Does she have a newer record? She, she just put her? a new okay, single thought, out. Okay. I thought, she I, doesn't have a new album out yet. I don't okay. think. Okay, but but her whole thing is like you know 
character sketches. You That's know? what I she mean, does. She yeah. is, yeah. And she's gifted at she's it. She's a good writer. This one has the great lyric, I think you're a joke, but I don't find you very funny. <laughs> Which is one of the most – that's an insult that will just cut somebody right down. And she's no doubt talking to some man in this song. I of love course. it. So there you go. Pedestrian at Best by Courtney Barnett. Right, staying kind of in the same, uh, well, not the same genre, really not even the same ballpark as Courtney Barnett. But so what the hell the are you talking time, about? The what same the hell are you time talking frame, about? Okay? okay? A newer artist. Yeah. I'm going to go with Tame Impala, which I think Tame Impala actually is Australian also. I... New Person, Same Old Mistakes is the song I'm going to go with by Tame Impala. This was from the second album. And this was an artist that I feel like really grew after a, a very good debut record that I really liked mm-hmm. a lot. Second album came out and it was just like way better and way different. I mean, mm-hmm. totally changed the sound, grew up a lot. And this track actually was covered by Rihanna for her anti album. Uh, and she changed the name of the song, but it was the exact same song. Everything was the same. She named it, she called it Same Old Mistakes and did a really good cover of it. But I'm going to go with the original Tame Impala, New Person, Same Old Mistakes. Speaking of Rihanna, let's mm. go with somebody that you, she's worked with. You know I'm a fan. And somebody that she has uh, been romantically involved with on and off in the past. Are, is, our, this, is, this by, is this by me? Or did, you, <laughs> did you pick one of my... <laughs> one of your great tunes. Did you pick one of, one of my tunes? I'm sorry, Seth. Like, I, right. I was trying to keep that secret, yeah, but I didn't well, think you wanted that out there. Well. I'm going with Drake here. Okay. Drake, who has one of the, despite a guy who's really only been around for about 10 years in the music world, he has one of the deepest catalogs of Wait, puts any out an rapper. album every freaking year. Puts an album yeah, out every yeah. two weeks, yeah. I feel like. I mean, this guy never stops working. But yeah. I'm going to go with a, a track from probably his fa- his best album, Nothing uh, Was the Same. Uh, this song, Furthest Thing, I just love this song. I've, since the first time I've heard it, I've loved it. And it's one of those songs that just kicks your ass when the beat finally comes in. Like, it takes a while for the beat to come in, and then when it does... Unbelievable. So, furthest thing by Drake. What more can I say now? What more can I say now? You might feel like nothing was the same. I still been drinking on the low, mobbing on the low, fucking on the low, smoking on the low. I still been plotting on the low, scheming on the low. The furthest thing from perfect, like everyone I know. I just been drinking on the low, mobbing on the low, fucking on the low. Smoking on the low, I just been plotting on the low, scheming on the low, the farthest thing from perfect, like everyone I know. All right, and I mentioned them earlier before. One of my absolute favorite bands of all time. I think more millennials need to get into them. Steely Dan yeah. has my final track here. Everyone's Gone to the Movies is the track I'm oh. going to pick from Steely Dan. Because only Steely Dan. This is the beauty of Steely Dan. <laughs> Steely Dan famously never wrote a love song. They're the, like the only band ever. That's the thing. They've never had a single song on any of their records that's a love song. Like no songs no. about being in love, romance, nope. nothing like that. Nope. 
Only Steely Dan could write a song about an old guy who shows porn movies to little kids and make it into this bouncy <laughs> sing-along. But that's exactly what this song's about. You're singing along with it. You're loving it. And then you, you listen to the then lyrics and you're in, like, you say, oh, wait. oh, my God, what am I talking about? <laughs> oh, hold on. So everyone's gone to the movies by Steely Dan. <laughs> I love it. Now we're alone at last. So there's five, but Andy, if you'll indulge me, uh, yes. I don't get to do this often. No, so yeah. I, I want to throw it. You can do ten if you want. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You should have told me that earlier. I'm going to do a, <laughs> I'm going to do a sixth song here. Okay. Because we were talking earlier about yeah. the late great Chris Cornell. I felt like I needed to throw in a song by him, and I'm going to pick my favorite vocal that Chris Cornell ever cut, and that is "Hunger Strike" by Temple of the That's Dog. That's a great. Love song. this song. It's man, it's, that is the story behind it is so good too. Because oh. Eddie Vedder was like an unknown. Chris Cornell was kind of a big time guy, and this kid Eddie Vedder was in the studio like yeah. hanging out, and he let him come on and do vocal. And it turns out to be Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder yeah. doing a duet together, which is just un- mind blowing to think about. And like, yeah, in the 1990s. So, Hunger Strike. I'll never get tired of this. Phenomenal. In honor of the late great Chris yeah. Cornell. I gave you six for the price oh, of five man, today, right. Andy. All right. Big round of applause in the studio, uh, please. Hey, all right. No, of course, it's the not. Facebook Live can see the studio audience is a little thin today, but we're, that's all right. We're, they're all sitting behind us. <laughs> you can't see them. Yeah, you can't see them. <laughs> I can't see them. It's, it's only a one, one camera shoot. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, those are all great tunes, man. Great tunes. I, know, I think you'll like Between the Wheels a lot. I know I that you know that. your shit, and that's why I was excited to hand the reins over to you. Well, thank you, sir. I do yes, my best. Absolutely. Hopefully, they'll live up to your other picks. Oh shoot! Check it out, man. Check it out at the uh, on uh, uh, Spotify at yeah. uh, just search Stream Police. I'm sure it's the first thing that'll come up for you. And the ever growing greatest podcast or greatest uh, playlist known to man on the greatest podcast, of course, known to man. I think. All right. Uh, so, anything else, Andy? No, that's it, my man. Okay, cool. That's it. One more. I had one more question for you. Come on. Um, I'm going to save. I, I was going to talk about a couple of uh, other shows, but I'm going to save those for next time because we've already been going on for a while here. <laughs> have, we, have, we hit the while three, I, have we hit the three-hour mark? Where are we at? Where are we at? <laughs> eh, we're only at two hours, 45 minutes now. Oh, we're uh, about two hours in. So, I'm going to give you. <laughs> There's no way anybody listens to those old we'll see we'll see <laughs> no way they're gonna listen to two hours of maybe shit. our moms they might check it out they we'll might find out. maybe we'll find so, out how how much they do care yeah. i've come to a realization yeah in the last couple of years and while you're yeah. here i wanted to ask you if yeah. you have this realization okay. for a long time i would hear the term movie snob Ugh. and i would hear people say that and you yep. hear it for other things too beer snob whatever sure. you can throw it on anything sure i would hear that term and i would say 
I'm not a movie snob. Like I know I'm not because right. I watch a little bit of everything. Like I, I love. Last week on the show, I talked about the Austin Powers movies. I love the Austin Powers movies. Right. I don't think any self-respecting movie snob would say that they love the Austin Powers movies. No. I mean, come on. No. But I have come to the realization in the last few years yeah. that I think I am a movie snob. I think I have always been one, and I just didn't realize You're- it because I have found myself many times people recommending movies to me, telling me I need to see something, and, and just you're thinking. I'm immediately writing right. it off to think about like the next acclaimed like performance from James Dean that I never got to watch. Yeah. Or, like I'm valuing older movies more than I do new movies sometimes, and that's not yeah. a fair thing to do because just because they're old doesn't mean they're better. We know that. And just because, because just because they're newer doesn't mean they're less than. Exactly. Yeah. But sometimes you, you know we do fall into that, and I think about directors' track records. I think about yeah. actors, and yeah. you know I'm not just so, thinking about does this movie look good from the trailer. I got to think about all these right. things first. Right. So here's my question to you, and this is the only this is. It's one question, and, and however you answer it, this will dictate whether or not you are a movie snob, is that do you look down and judge other people because of their taste in movies? I don't do that. Then I don't think you're a movie snob. You don't think I'm there I yet? I, I don't think you are. Now you I may honestly be, don't do that. You may be on your way. Okay. But I don't think you're there yet. I do that, sometimes that is feel, the qual that is the qualifier, in my my opinion. I do sometimes find myself going like in the wintertime when all the great award season movies come out and somebody says they went to the movies and they went and saw like the new Transformers movies when they could have gone and seen, you know, like one of the great movies sure. that's in theaters at yeah. the time. I do find myself going like, you know, why would you right. waste why would you give more money to a Michael Bay movie when you could have spent your hard-earned dollar on this. That's that's, that's disappointment. Yeah. But it's not like, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I don't you think don't they're stupid or something. Yeah, exactly. I get why they did it, because right. the hype's there, because sure. it's the thing to go to. They want to have something to talk to, right. uh, talk about with other people. Right. It's easier to digest. Yeah. I like to watch movies that are hard to watch, and I know a lot of people don't like that. Right. They want to escape, but I don't always so want to So why do you, so I, I feel like, I feel like you may be, you know, a little hard on yourself. Why do you feel like you are a movie snob? Because, like I said, I, I don't, I won't just run out and see a movie because it's making a lot of money at the box office. Yeah. Whereas are you a lot skeptical of, of no, is it skepticism? I don't think is I'm it, even that. It's just, I don't have interest yeah. a lot of times. I, something about the film itself has to interest me. Someone right. behind it, someone writing it someone yeah. directing it someone acting in it a track record the theme of the movie something has to really pull me in because i, I feel like See, I, have too I think many things. i think that just may make you informed you know I, you okay know. all right well it you makes know, me feel a little bit better I, about yeah. myself but See, i was going to ask you if you're a music snob you know i have you wrestled uh, with this <laughs> yeah my you know music snobs my 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 uh wife would tell you that i am and she is quick to uh tell me that i am but but (laughs) i don't i don't feel like i am and i I, you know because i don't think i recognize let me say it like this i recognize that everybody uses music in different ways and i also recognize that i'm really really into it you know so i'm going to consume it in a different fashion than maybe the guy down the hall will, will consume it and that doesn't make him wrong, you know? Like, it just, it, it doesn't, you know? However, that being said, I also know that there is, you know, a strong connection to be made with songs and albums and artists. Uh, and there is frustration from time to time when... <laughs> See, I got to be careful here, otherwise it's going to sound like I'm a music snob. I, I think... 
It's but still, are you? I don't think so. Okay. Or am I in denial? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. think so because what I was I've heard to, you give props to some music that no music snob would ever give props to. That's what to. I'm saying. I'm a freaking Meatloaf fan. You yeah, know? you I mean, love Meatloaf. Who the hell if you're really And that's the other thing too, man. I think that I think that music snobs have like benchmarks and qualifications. And I don't have that when I listen to music, you know. I mean, I is it, you give it all a chance? Yeah, I mean, is, is that's it, all that you, you can do. Is right? it good? Is it well rounded? Does do you sense that there's you know effort in it? Do you sense that it's genuine? But it's not. But you know, I think there are like quite literal qualifications that some people have that judge whether or not it's genuine music. Yeah, you know, and I don't think it has anything to do with production values or the sound. The sound necessarily of of the music or the way that you write or that it was, you know, uh, written in, you know, Vancouver or what, you know, I mean, some people, I'm serious. Some people have like, yeah. well, unless it was, you know, anything after 72 was dog shit. Like there are people like I, that. You're right. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I don't do that. So I don't feel like I am. I got to say, I've known you a long time Yeah, and you're the most knowledgeable person about music that I know Yeah, that I've ever met. Um, and it's one of the things I've always liked about you. I've never considered you to be a music snob. Ever. I, I have never not. thought that about you because, like I said, you've given – I've heard you give uh, credit and give a chance to a lot of music that a lot of people would say is shitty just without even hearing it. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So th- I think that automatically makes you not a music snob. I think you do have high standards that for I what that, you like. that, that is true. And, you know, so – I think, you know, where the criticism comes, like, okay, the, you know, the wife and I will be in the car, right? And we'll just be driving, and, and, and um, Nicki Minaj, a Nicki Minaj song comes on. And I really liked her at first, but, man, now it just it gives me a freaking migraine. You know, I just can't <laughs> – we have fallen out of love, man. I, that, I don't I, – if I never heard it again, that'd be too soon. You it's know? not mutual because she says she still likes the stream police. See, I, yeah. So I mean, she that's, still likes it, you. Life is tough. Life is tough. <laughs> and it's not fair. But, um, but you know, so that will come on. And I'm just like, this is such bullshit, you know? I mean, you could clearly tell that she's trying to do this. You could clearly tell that she's going for this. You could clearly see all these things, you know, that makes it, it feel so obvious. Yep. And she's like, you know, and I'm being told, like, you're, you're, you're just a music snob. You sound you're, like you're, an asshole. You're being snobby about yeah. this. You know, it's, just, it's a pop song. But I'm thinking, no, you know what? You can really connect with a pop song. And, and here's the problem with this particular pop song. And, I, I and, you, just can, and you break it down. And I break it down. And now, some people just don't want it to be broken I, down. I think, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's it, – the explanation isn't as tactful as what it maybe could be. But, uh, but no, I don't think I am. Does that make, I, no, me, does I, I, that you're make not. me a music snob? You're not. Okay. You're not. Right. You've just heard a lot. You know what you think is good. And I mean, there sometimes there is a definition of good, I think, and bad. Yeah. What makes something good and bad? It's yeah. not always subjective. I think there is, there are some things that are just good. Yeah. And there are some things that are just bad. And I the, think. And so, the way that, I think the way that you can tell that is you can recognize, okay, that is good music. Maybe not my cup of tea, but I see that this yeah. is, you know, I can this, see why people go nuts about. I this, can see know? this qualifies. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, so I don't think either of us are snobs. Maybe we're both in denial, but. I, but I have wrestled with it. I've you, thought about it. And yeah. Is it such a bad thing to be? It probably be is because I think the word means that you're discounting things before you've even given them a chance. That's, that's exactly, when you. That's when you become a snob. I think it's. I think that's 
Exactly right. So you're writing things off before you've ever had you that one-on-one, you know, experience. And that's exactly what Stephen Van Zant said not to do. Exactly. Right. He said even if you have heard something, don't write it off. <laughs> you gotta, you, <laughs> you gotta got listen it, to it and then think it, about it. Let a lot. it soak in. Let it. Percolate. Then you can write it, it off. Exactly. <laughs> let it marinate before you, uh, before you, uh, you know, uh, put a label on it. And Stephen's a guy that I might consider. He could be a music snob. I don't know. Yeah, we've talked he about that be. before. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. probably a guy I don't think I'd want to talk music with. He'd probably just – he'd be intimidating first off, and he would, he'd probably look down on you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, see, I'm just afraid he'd roll his eyes. You know, like yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm afraid, like, I'd testify and I'd pour my heart out and I'd, you know, hey, this is what I believe about music and rock and roll music and, you know, all this stuff. And he'd just be like, okay, that's cute. <laughs> that's great. That's my – like, that's I got to go see you. Yeah, that's my, uh, my worst nightmare. That would be sad, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'd be like, oh, God, I'm a loser. All right. Well, uh, the last thing I'm going to leave you guys yeah. with uh, here is I always do a couple things that are streaming right now, one on Netflix, one on Amazon for you. And uh, these movies – you might be considered these movie snob movies, all right? These are not uh, movies of the people, but they're great films. They're both on Netflix and Amazon right now. First off on Netflix, The Place Beyond the Pines mm. from 2012. Have you ever seen this, Andy? Uh, I've seen parts of I think it. You I haven't, would seen, love it. I haven't you, seen the whole thing. You need to spend yeah, some time with yeah. it. I think you'd really like yeah. it. It's, it is such an epic movie, and, yeah. and that word gets thrown around a lot, but this is a true like one of those 1970s ensemble epics that you yeah. would see yeah. uh, back in the day. Like uh, – like a Nashville or something like that. It's not set in the music industry, but yeah. it's a it's this, this movie about fathers and sons, and it's set over this 30-year span. And it's got Bradley Cooper, and it's got uh, Ryan uh, Gosling in it. And so when you hear that cast, you're kind of like, well, it probably can't be that heavyweight, but it is a heavyweight. Oh, movie. no. It's a I mean, very yeah, good movie. No, I... Uh, both of them are very strong in this yeah. film, uh, and it's just a really it's – a, it's a great movie about fathers and sons. I reviewed it at Overdue Review – after I first saw it, so back in 2012, a long time ago, um, and you can read my thoughts there. I think I gave it four and a half stars, yeah. uh, and I still love this movie. still holds up. It's about three hours long, so give your, pace yourself, but it's on Netflix now and definitely worth your watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Amazon, one for you, uh, Manchester by the Sea, which mm. came out last year. Loved it. And, yeah, did you, you like this Loved one? Loved it. It was a really – it's a powerful movie, and I think this one gets – a lot. Of, it got some bad press, not only because of the Casey Affleck stuff, which is you know, that's awful on its own front, but the movie itself got some bad press because people were like, "Well, it's like this depressing thing." But this movie is not that depressing. I, I feel I, like I it's so I, funny. I didn't feel like it was depressing at all. Yeah, I mean, it, I no, I doesn't I mean, have a lot of life in it. And yeah, it's, it's I mean, kinda, I, it, just because it's you know dark and depressing are not necessarily the same thing. No, you it's know? sad. It, it is sad. It's a sad movie, but, but it's but, so funny at times. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the interaction between uh, you know the 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 teen and Casey Affleck. I can't remember what's the kid's name. Do you oh, remember I can't the kid's remember his name? name? Lucas something. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, but but they're oh, you're talking about the actor's name. The, actors, the, the character's name. The character. What well, either or yeah. I can't think of it. Uh, the actor's Lucas something. I can't remember what his last name. But was, but, but anyway, those two play off each other phenomenally well. I mean, that is really funny. It can you know in parts is really funny stuff. It really is. Yeah, and it, it does have some heavy stuff in it. But yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a really funny movie, yeah. and uh, it's it's got a lot of life in it. And I think the thing that you that I love about Manchester by the Sea and something that a lot of people don't know about this movie is the guy who directed it, um, Kenneth Lonergan. He is like apparently he's famous for the way he makes his movies is that everything in the everything is scripted. Everything you see in the movie is scripted. He does not allow any improv of any kind. He doesn't even allow you to say uh or um. Like it ha- if you say uh or um and it wasn't scripted, he cuts the scene and then you go back and you do it again. He's like Casey Affleck described it as like doing a um, a symphony. 
and like being part of a symphony. Yeah. And this guy, he wrote every beat into the music. Yeah. And when the characters overlap, like when they talk over each other, it's scripted at exactly, exactly that moment how it when they sound. talk yeah. over each other. Like he won't let you get away with anything. So yeah, he's can, you, a, can you imagine what that what that what that screenplay, what that script might must look like? Oh, I couldn't imagine. I mean, how freaking thick would that have to be? I mean, how much time and text would you have to devote to just you know some of the minor the rehearsals things. had to be just so oh, long. Yeah. But that's one of the things when you watch this movie, you'll be really impressed by is that yeah. everything that happens scripted. None of it. Is, Lucas Hedges is the kid's name, Lucas by the way. Hedges, yeah. And it, uh, it, none of it was unscripted. So it's a really just detailed movie. It's a great film about uh, loss and about you know life and family and kind of being forced to spend time with family that you otherwise maybe you don't really want to spend any time with, but you know you have to and. You try to make the best of it. Right. It's just—it's a really great little blue-collar uh, Boston movie. It's, so it's a slice of life movie too. Big I mean, time. It's, you know, it's—it's—it's yeah. it's, it's made to feel authentic for sure. You know, and Michelle Williams very good in that. She got nominated for an Oscar basically for one scene in the yep. film. It's a really powerful scene. So yeah. Manchester by the Sea right now is on Amazon. It was produced by Amazon, so that's why uh, they're the only ones that are going to have that one. So there you go. That's uh, that's going to do it for another uh, another joint uh, episode here, man. Ooh, this thing, speaking of epic. I'm telling you. God. This place beyond the pines uh, kind of epic here. <laughs> Huge show. Oh, man. So, yes, yeah, good, uh, good to get together with you. Good to oh, uh, shoot God. the shit a little bit longer, God, man. God, we, we have a great fucking time. Yeah, no doubt. a great time. Let's go, uh, let's go get some beers. <laughs> All right. All right, you man. Got it. Thank you guys very much for listening. Thank you for watching. If you did on uh, Facebook Live, much appreciated. And uh, we will read some comments and... Uh, yeah, so uh, thank you guys very much. Yep. Good to uh, good to be with you. I'm Clint Davis, the movies and TV editor at Overdue Review. And I'm Andy Sedlak, the music editor at OverdueReview.com. Check us out there on the website and reach out to us at theclintdavis at gmail.com. Is SedlakJournal at gmail.com. My last name is spelled S-E-D-L-A-K and then the word journal at gmail.com. All right, friends, we'll uh, talk to you next time and uh, take it easy. Until then, stream on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.